EA giving Marvel the Star Wars treatment? CD Projekt Red teases their Majora's cans. Well, hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always, is Mr. Uh, Chris Figgs. How's it going, bro? Chris? How are you doing today, man? I'm hey, I'm good. Look, we're we're being too polite toward each other. <laughs> Screw you, man. I'm doing great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. I hope you had a great day. <laughs> I was nothing uh, but blessings for your bitch ass. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. Uh, Chris. Yeah. Hi. As you may be aware, but maybe not any new listener who may have Whoa. stumbled upon this show. We are a weekly PlayStation podcast talking about games through the lens of being PlayStation fans. We, of course, talk about gaming even when it has to do with Nintendo or Xbox or whoever, PC, if we feel like there's a conversation that we find interesting to be had there. Um, If you're looking for a fanboy podcast, first bit of news, you found it because Chris and I both openly call ourselves fanboys. But if you're looking for just us to shit all over the competition for no real reason, you haven't found it. We're what I like to think, Chris, that me and you are what we just call like realistic fanboys. We don't hide the fact that we have an allegiance towards something, but yeah. the allegiance doesn't control everything we do. Yeah. You know? I mean, I would agree. I think that's a fair that's a fair argument. So there you are. If you are new, welcome. We hope that you enjoy what you hear. Uh and Stick around to be part of the community's take for future episodes. Uh, join us on social media and stuff as well. Or maybe you like what you hear enough and you consider becoming a little patron. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. But we start to show off a time-honored way, and that is a good check-in on what we've been up to, uh, what Chris has been up to, and what we've been playing. So, Chris, I'm going to start with you, as always, since I am the host. What have you been playing, and uh, what else have you been up to? If uh, you feel like there's anything worth value that you feel you need to get off of your chest oh god um that's a lot of pressure uh well you need to get the pressure off your tread off your chest your chest (laughs) well i got some majoris cans so that's my problem Uh, Mm. no i've been playing uh, modern warfare 2 has been a big one but i've been playing two smaller games in the medium and signalis see is is the medium a smaller game? I don't know. So, I mean, the, the trophy guy says it's four hours, so it's pretty small. Oh, wow. Yeah. See, this is why you don't look. I wish I wouldn't have gotten that information. This is why you don't look at trophy guides. This is why you do look at trophy guides. No, because it builds an expectation, right? I'd rather yeah. go into the game and it be four hours, but me be like, without that expectation built into my head already that the game is going to be short, now I'm going to be looking for it to be even better when it may not be fair. I got to be careful now to play that game, which I've been playing too, just to throw that out there. Not the very medium? much. I got, yeah, I got as far as I did uh, on Xbox and then turned it off like Tuesday. So like, where I, I guess it was, are like, you? Last Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, when you're outside of the gas station after you get off the motorcycle. So you have after you, the opening. Oh, so yeah, you haven't done very much. No, that's exactly where I left off on Xbox. I played one day both times. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't probably wouldn't have started the medium if I, if I didn't know it was a short game. So, because I was under mm. the impression it was like a twenty five hour game, and I was like, "There's no chance." 
No and way. Then I was thinking the guy, like I was a like, okay. six to eight, like a Resident Evil eight kind of thing yeah. at most. I mean, it's very possible that four hours is like a speed run time, you know. When you're Get looking the at a trophy guy the entire time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Fair. Okay. Well, there's one yeah. other game that you've uh, you've tried nudging me in not so subtle ways as I can see in this uh, document that we follow. Well, what does the document say? Well, the document says that I've been playing Conan Exiles, which is yeah. true. I figured but then it much. also says has yet to start Signalis like an idiot. Yeah, that's true. I've just if you, have you looked at what that game is? Nope. Not even oh, you a have, little bit. You should watch a trailer because I was playing it and I was like, "Oh, this man is going to be all over this game." It seems I mean, just I like I see up your whenever alley. I search it that it's a survival game. It is it no. It's not like it's a survival horror game. I'm just saying what it said whenever I searched it. Calm down. Good sir. Well, I need to be very is clear because it, it's not it, like Conan. Is it 2D, or, is it 2D Dead Space? Metroidvania Dead Space? Kind of. Not really. <laughs> it's more like, think think Paradox Souls, but quality. Hey, Paradox Souls was fun for like a $2 game. <laughs> you yes. know what I mean? And, and actually, I got is, it for free, so I have less to complain about. Yeah. Signalis is like that kind of concept but again worth more than two dollars <laughs> so a metroidvania still i would call paradox souls a metroidvania right it is kind of like you need to go to certain places of this map to get things to move on to the next one so i mean it is but it's not like you need a grappling hook to move on you just need to be able to open the doors so it's more like I don't, I don't know. I guess Metroidvania is the best way to describe it, even though it feels wrong in my, you know, deep in my chest, that feels like the wrong way to describe it. Yeah, sometimes that happens <clears throat> where you feel like something lines up with a genre, but you are hesitant to say that it is yeah. that genre. Yeah. yeah. I agree with you, regardless of what it truly is, whatever they consider it. I think that for my own sensibilities, I'd feel comfortable describing this to someone as a Metroidvania, even if I don't feel like it's right on the money. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I got you. Yeah, the screenshots I see look cool. I mean, the art style wise, I really like pulling atmosphere into this odd 2.5D game with, with a pixel art style is a yeah cool choice. It's supposed yeah. to emulate like PS1 games and stuff like that. But I think it's really cool. It's actually pretty scary, even though it's the way it is. The mystery is intriguing. So I'm excited to keep playing that. Probably finish nice. the medium first. But yeah, so Signalis, Modern Warfare 2, the medium. Nice. How about you? Uh, well, I guess we can tell everybody that you oh, you already did. Never mind. I forget. You haven't played Conan since. I have not. Um, no. Man, when you log back in, if you ever log back in, big if, I'm aware. But <laughs> there's so much more built. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because I'm... So we started doing story stuff, Donovan and I, uh, kind of on accident. I knew that there was a dungeon, but I didn't realize it was related to story stuff. So I went to go try it out to see what it was like. Um and I ended up beating it because you kind of get put locked into it to a degree. Um, and I ended up fighting it, realizing, found some cool stuff. Well, then Donovan got on the next time, and we were looking for another area. He got locked into that boss fight, and the cycle continued where he, while I wasn't on, he fought a boss, and then I went. So in an effort to try and not like play the game without each other uh, for the main bosses, for the story, uh, 
I've been essentially anytime he's not on, I'm just doing stuff I want to do elsewhere. So like mm-hmm. building is a real easy way, and I love the building in that game. Um, so yeah, I've been doing that. But as far as the story stuff goes, I'm realizing now that we played that game arguably wrong. <laughs> yeah. Arguably, it's arguably. a type of game with no real wrong way to play. Okay, but the boss that I fought. And then the boss that he fought, and then I went and fought on my own again. So two of the world bosses. We're both level 60. That's max level. These bosses are not hard because they're meant to be fought when you're probably like level 20. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> And makes I didn't sense. realize any of that because the game, you know, that's why I say I, I hesitate to say I'm playing it wrong because this is one of those games that doesn't give you a lot of information on purpose. And that's fun because it means that you feel like you're discovering these things. The downside to it is if it takes you too long to discover the first thing, then you kind of run the risk of making the game too easy. So I get their idea. They spawn you in the map, Chris, like you experienced, in the very bottom of the map. So the the map is kind of level situated to where the harder enemies are further north. The more further north you go, the more challenging they are. Kind of like how on the trip to our house, you got to level 20. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is I a did. third of the way through. Um, I was there to help you. And of course you, you got started with a little bit better stuff because you got a little leg up. But point being is that kind of tells you how off we were playing the game. Cause I chose to, I, I traveled all the way up there and chose to build up there, which means that we were leveling at way too fast of speed. We were getting gear quicker than we probably should have been. But the game assumes that you're going to start in the South hit the water, and then go left or right. Right is the jungle. Jungle's very hard, so you'd go back to the left, and the bottom left is where the first dungeon is. I didn't go there until I already explored about 70% of the map. <laughs> and I randomly found it, wow. and I was like, oh, this is cool. What is this? So it's it's been intriguing, but um, I'm very much enjoying it. I think the story is interesting and cool. Of course, it's a budget game, so cutscenes aren't just the greatest but when the gameplay is going it's cool and the information in the rather lackluster cutscenes or dialogue is still in, it's cool information it's just presented in a budget way as you'd expect cool so, well i'm glad you like it yeah what so what made you start the medium because i started it i downloaded <laughs> it pretty much right after without you saying a word i didn't even know you had been playing it until today when you said the medium is surprisingly fine yeah <laughs> Um, honestly, I was just bored. Like I've been playing a lot of modern warfare and that game is one of those where like, if I'm doing well, I could play it all day when I'm doing bad. I get one game and I'm super done. So like, I was kind of just done and I'm like, screw it. I have the medium installed. I'll give it a shot, see what it is. And then I just, I'm like halfway through it. So, so I guess you've had it installed. Oh yeah. I've had it installed for a while. Gotcha. I think for me, it was, I had to go install it. So it was like a choice that I made to be like, I'm going to play this game. And I think a lot of it was because I didn't get that far in that game. Mm -hmm. And of course, with them being over Silent Hill, I want my opinion on them to be a little more based off of playing, hopefully a complete game. If I can stomach through it, that's not a hit at them. I don't, what I mean by that is I am so unaware of the quality of uh, the medium in particular that it, could be something that as i keep playing i just lose interest but we'll see um the game looks great i mean it's a besides yeah. character models character models are always the weak point in any game that's very photorealistic because mm-hmm. it just gives it away yeah marianne looks a little off 
She does. She looks better in her shadow form. She does. I agree. She does. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so to that degree, that's cool. And like I said, the game, I already knew the game looked great. I hope that they get over that slight uncanny valley just for Silent Hill 2, though, since it's slightly there. Um, yeah. But past that, the game runs better than I anticipated because I played it on Series S, so it's a lot more mm-hmm. grainy looking. I actually thought the game had like a film grain on, and maybe it does on Series S to help its visuals out, or maybe it, maybe it still does. It's just less noticeable at a higher resolution. Um, that makes sense. But I remember when I got to the split thing on Series S, the frame rate was dropping a bunch during the cutscene where you're seeing the the two worlds for the first time. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is this is kind of rough on Series <laughs> S. And that was part of why I stopped playing it. So I'm glad the PS5 version's doing better. Do you feel that the um, haptics in this game are kind of disruptive? I don't think they're disruptive, but I am surprised of how strong they are. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I was definitely the cutscene where she's riding the motorcycle. It's like, bro, this is like, this is maybe some of the strongest vibration or whatever you want to call it, haptics that I've felt in a game on PS5 <laughs> the entire time. It was, it was cool, yeah. but I don't know. It, it, is it weird to say that I don't think the motorcycle is the thing I noticed it the most on so far? Yeah. I've noticed it elsewhere. But I don't know that this game so far is the game that I feel like needs to be that extra layer of immersion. Ideally, it will work as I get into some of the creepier parts of the game. Yeah, I'm just seeing this like, I don't know if you've gotten far enough to have seen it, but she has these times where she'll walk into a room and the psychicness will overpower her and she like kind of grabs her head and cowers in the haptics are just so strong that it would throw me off every time it would happen. I'd be like, I don't want this to happen. Stop. I feel like that happens in the morgue at the beginning. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's too much. So yeah, I don't feel like I remember it being too bad, but I was admittedly, I was close to the end of the day. I started playing at like 11 o'clock and I was trying to go to bed. So I literally played like 30 minutes, got to that point and was like, I got to go to sleep. So I put it down. I, I wasn't in the best mind frame to be, remembering it. I was talking to my wife some mm-hmm. while it was happening. So Yeah, I don't know. It's just weird. But I'm a little surprised you didn't comment that I've gone back to my old downloading ways. It's been pretty bad this week. I apologize for that. <laughs> I think you've done something because I don't get the sneak previews I used to get. Really? Yeah. Oh, I'm a little surprised. Okay. Because I downloaded a lot of games and there were a couple of times where I'm like, oh, oops, I shouldn't be downloading this at three in the morning. But that's good. <laughs> that's good then. Yeah. I don't know if somehow we've fixed what it is, but I don't get notifications for you anymore, and I only get them for me. And I don't think you get mine anymore. Well, I didn't know you downloaded the Medium, yeah. So, And you didn't know I downloaded Apex, despite doing it as soon as we got off. Oh, so yeah. Apex no has idea. just been sitting there waiting. <laughs> I want everyone to know that the reason I've not played a game of Apex with you is not because of me. <laughs> no. It's been a busy week for both of us. I think that's fair. It's Halloween week. What are you going to do? It is Halloween you know? week. Or was Halloween week, I suppose. That's interesting, because then that means you'll never know the random games I buy that you might be interested in unless you go look now. 
That is true. And now I have more impetus to have to pay attention to what you buy. Yeah. Uh, I sort of halfway rely on you just being like, I bought this game. If you, for some reason, think I have any potential interest in the game, you're pretty good about it. And you tend to be pretty on the money. As you said about Signalis, while you're playing it, you're like, this is just a Brett game. Yeah. And I can tell you're going to dig it, which I chose to take as a compliment. Uh, yeah, no, so. it is. I was <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, I'll get to it. I'm like, Brett, I haven't been wrong. Just download the goddamn game. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, the problem is that I'm back on my hyperfixation BS. Like we had that episode and then I feel like I did really well without even really trying. I guess because I had called myself out enough that mm-hmm. I was like, I should probably try without being self-aware that I was trying. Because yeah. I felt like I had played more games and then I started playing Conan and I've been right back to like... To just Conan. That's so I mean, good. That's not a bad <laughs> thing. We know that yeah. our, our homie Blake does that. And I'll shout him out on the show for getting the Stardew Valley Platinum because that is hardcore. I'm so proud of him. I can't believe he did it. it I'll be very proud of him when he it. gets this Tony Hawk Platinum. I'll be impressed. I've heard it's really hard, so I'll be a little shocked. But it's like I said, he's he's the one true trophy hunter. He doesn't have nearly as many as either of us. But he is the one true trophy hunter. He seems like he would do all the things that eventually push me away from a platinum because, like, I'm one trophy away from so many games, and I'm just like, I'll I'll reach that point where I've tried enough times, or I just find out what the trophy is, and I already know where I'm at with the game to the point where it's like, if I try and do that, I'm just gonna hate this game, so I'm not gonna play it. He's the kind of guy who will just be like, I'm gonna push through and do it anyway. (laughs) See, if I had one trophy left, I wouldn't stop. It's like. To the to the point where like I'm almost thinking about finishing near, even though I hate that game. But I'm like five trophies away. I'm like I should just do it. Funny it's you say that because my go to one trophy away game right now is near replicant remake. Yeah, <laughs> I'm one trophy away, and I just can't bring myself to care. See, it's just for me. Once I get that platinum, it made it all worth it. It's that like serotonin hit makes you forget how much you hated it. Like, I remember hating Sekiro for a long time. And then I got that platinum and I was like, this is the greatest game I've ever played. <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, I've, I've realized you're talking about crazy things we've done for trophies. And I've realized that in my view of it, I think Conan is going to be one of those games because I could have had the platinum the first 30 minutes I played the game. Yeah. And I am instead choosing to slowly yet surely achieve the platinum in the legit way, which is. From what I can tell so far, I don't think it's going to be hard to do it no. legit. It's just going to be time consuming. Yeah. You're just crazy because I'll like that that kind of stuff, I get why you're doing it, but for me like I feel like there's no difference between doing it legit or doing the the hack cuz everyone else did the hack. Then you might as well just do the hack and stop thinking about trophies. Like entirely. That's how I would do it. I'd be like screw this, like I like this game but I want the platinum. It's not worth the it's work. It's more that it, you have to beat so many bosses, right? Yeah. So not to cut you off, but I think this will help play off what I'm saying. I don't want... I, I'm enjoying the game, and I want each thing that I discover to feel fresh and fun and cool, and I don't want to see all the bosses by spawning them directly in front of me, making myself invincible, and then destroying them, because I would rather have the cool like oh shit what is this find their lair go through the dungeon play it out be excited and then be surprised and the moment that i just rail out the platinum 
I think every bit of joy I have playing the game will be mostly gone. The building is just fun, so I See, will still enjoy building, but I don't think I would enjoy take, playing the game. But if you wouldn't enjoy playing the game, then you probably don't like the game that much. Well, no, it's not that. It's it's. I would have seen everything that playing the yeah, game is allowing really. me to see. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with you. It's just for me, I look at something like near. Or I look at something like being able to do that in Conan or even like some of the Sims exploits where I'm like, yeah, those aren't real Platinums. I don't know how to explain that. I'm sure people will disagree with me. But near, you can buy those well, trophies. Doesn't count. Even if you got it legit, I, I look at your list and I go, you have near Automata. You bought it. Even if you didn't, I'm like, you didn't earn that. And that, I'll nope. feel the same way about Conan. But that doesn't mean that I won't do it in 30 minutes. That just means that I will consider that trophy null and void for me. Now, listen, if you look me in the eye and you tell me that my Conan trophy was not earned, then you can go fuck yourself. Because That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying <laughs> is when I look at someone else's trophy list, like if I, I, every once yes. in a while I'll go on PSN profiles and I'll just look through people's trophy lists. I think that's interesting. And if I saw Conan on there, I would assume you did the 30 minutes. I would not assume you actually did it. That's what I yeah. mean. So then I would just be like, well, that's okay. That's just can't, That's the same as a... Jumping Taco DX remix. That's how I would think about it. And that again, I am not against getting the 30 minute platinum. That is most likely how I will earn that platinum. See, now this is how you this is how you determine that, right? Instead of giving the whole game that, you look at the trophy, you look at the platinum, and then you look at any other trophy and see how far look at the first <laughs> trophy they earned for that game and then see how long the gap was between them. Yes, but I'm not gonna do that much work. I'm just gonna see it. And, and know in my head. Yes, and judge them silently. Like Again, it's the same with Nier. I don't like the buying thing because now I just assume you bought it and didn't work for it. I know in I know that you did it properly. Yeah. But, you know, Billy Smokes Weed 69, who's looking at your trophy list on PSN Profiles, does not. And he assumed you didn't do that work. All you know what's funny? I really, at the, after doing everything for... That game in particular for Nier Automata, mm-hmm. I am to the point with Nier Replicant that if I could buy what I need for the re- recipes to finish upgrading all weapons, which is the final thing, and I only need one weapon all the way up or two, it's a weapons that all require one material that you can only get from one way that's just super grindy and annoying. So at this point, if I could buy that just to get the platinum done, I would. I totally would. I get that. Trust me, I get it. If I could have bought a trophy to not have to 100% Cyberpunk a second time in that launch yeah. window, I might have done it. Yeah. But fair. I'm very glad that I didn't have that option because I have a legitimate Cyberpunk PS4 Platinum. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I'm proud of you, right? Thanks. That's, it was hard work. I guess we have that feeling of knowing how we got the platinums now i'll tell you times i've done stuff like right no man's sky whenever it came time to do that platinum i almost had the platinum at launch and i just didn't get it and i was two or three trophies short so 100 yeah. what i did was i'm gonna get the platinum like it was whenever i first started playing it and just didn't get the platinum i put the disc in didn't allow it to update and i platinum that game on version 1.0 because <laughs> it's way easier to do oh yeah yeah, I mean, I, I don't judge necessarily. <laughs> I just look at those things because I'll do those things. I just won't buy the, the things in near. I'll probably try and go back and actually play that if I do yeah. go for it. But that's just my thought. You may inspire me to finally just... I know I've been saying I just need to like 
do like even if it's once a week, right? Do do like two or three runs of that stupid constantly re- repeated thing to have to get all the material. If I just started yeah. doing it twice or three times a week, mm-hmm. I'd have had the platinum long ago. I just can't bring myself to to want to just do but it. Maybe one day. In the end, all I'm going to say is, Brett, before we have a game of the year discussion, you need to play Signalis. Oh, that's fair. Good to know. Because I think that will be in yours. That's how I think you'll feel about the game, if that helps sell it at all. Is it bad that I'm sad that I don't think Conan qualifies for any form of game of the year discussion? I've been pretty clear that I think game of the year should be the game that dominated your year. Yeah, well, I think that there's game of the year that released that year and then game that held your heart for the year, regardless of where it, where it came out. I think sure. they're slightly different things, but they both deserve their own little spot in the Game of the year is Fortnite every year. Fight <laughs> me on that. It's true. Best ongoing game. Well, you know what, Chris? We have a community's take to get to. What What's a community's take, Brett? I'm glad you asked, Chris. The community's take is where we ask you guys in the community your thoughts on one of the topics that we talked about in the previous episode. And we have you guys give us your input so we can get varied opinions, challenge Mm. our own thoughts, get different perspectives. Um, And you can always reach out and be part of that by finding us on Twitter, which is at Triangle SQRD. We are not blue check mark verified and we're not going to be anytime soon. (laughs) I'm throwing that out there. Hey, go ahead, Chris. You can blue check Marcus <laughs> all you want, but I'm not paying $20. I don't care that he's doing it. I'm just saying I'm he's not doing it. it. Oh, he's changed <clears throat> to eight. I, I saw his remark to Stephen King. $8 is far more reasonable than 20 I would agree. You know, I've seen people making all these jokes about how they're just going to make dummy accounts and get them verified. Like they don't think that verification is not still going to be exactly what it is just behind the paywall. They're still going to check and see if you're the person you're claiming to be. They don't give a shit if you paid them $8 or not. You're not going to get a guaranteed blue check mark when you say that you're PlayStation. (laughs) Right. Have fun attempting, I guess. Um, Think they're not going to still verify it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, hey, but everybody just thinks, give us $8. We'll put a blue check mark beside your name. <laughs> yeah, they might. But that doesn't mean that you can just cosplay as what PlayStation. I, I can't wait for the person who gets upset that they paid $8 and got declined verification because they said they were Kaz Harai. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? The real so, Kaz Harai has uh, come back. We'll see how that happens. Can that be? Can that get its own distinct type of verification? We can verify that this is... <laughs> the a actual the real cause for Rob parody account. I would like that actually. Yeah, it's not a blue check mark. It's like a green one or something. Yeah, that'd be that'd be interesting. Uh, yeah, you can find us mark. on Twitter at Triangle SQRD. You can find us on Facebook. We have a group called Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast. If you ask to be entered into there, we'll gladly let you in. Uh, and last but certainly not least, you can find us in our Discord, uh, where you can be part of our day to day chats with other members of the community. We have a dedicated communities take section where we'll ask the question, and if you guys get in there and respond, you have a chance to get it read out on the show. Now, of course, we love our patrons because they love us and they help make the show possible. So if you are a patron at any tier you will get preferred uh interest in your responses and will more than likely read yours uh as opposed to another one that we're looking at uh as just a way to say thank you so with that in mind we are actually going to start one thing i really like to do is highlight uh 
people who are newly interacting with us that we are not familiar with. Uh, So our first response will be that. But the question from last week was, are you a Silent Hill fan or interested in becoming one? How did you like the approach of announcing a deluge of titles and media for the long dormant franchise? Does it excite you or worry you? Or are you willing to let the individual releases speak for themselves? So over on Twitter, someone who's been interacting with us a little bit lately, uh, Mr. Robert Phillip at Rob's World 6 says, I haven't played a Silent Hill game since Downpour, which to be fair, I think that might have been the last major Silent Hill game. Uh, But he says, so it's been a while. I'm only worried about the remake of Silent Hill 2 because it's being made by Bloober. I just know that Town Hall is Townfall, rather, it will be a great little indie Silent Hill game. Um, and, you know, I didn't play No Code uh, or whatever the name of that developer is. I think it's No Code. Um, but from what I understand, they did Observation, and I've heard great things about Observation. Now, I might be mixing something up, but I feel like I remember someone telling me that Observation was Bloober Team, and maybe they were conflating... The Observer is Bloober Team. The Observer, but let me let me see. No, uh, they must have been saying Observer, because Observer is Bloober Team, and Anshar Studios. So Observation is... No code. Interesting that those two developers with two very similarly named games would both be on Silent Hill Project. Mm, this has Kojima wow. written all over it. No, I'm kidding. Um, all right, yeah. So, I mean, that's about where I'm at. You know, I've been saying that Bloober makes me curious. I wouldn't say I'm worried so much as I think it's a curious choice. But hopefully, playing the medium changes that. I don't know. Chris, as far as you are right now, has your opinion on Bloober changed at all? I mean, I don't know if they're capable of helming Silent Hill 2, but I also think that they're a competent developer with bad writers. (laughs) Bad is strong, but... That's been mm. one of the most common criticisms I've actually heard leveraged toward them. Yeah. <laughs> is more so that their games look great and they play in such a way that combat isn't necessary, but that the writing often misses the mark of what they're trying to of the subject matter they're trying to play with. Which is right. understandable when you're doing games about mental health. And I know this game, if I'm not mistaken, the medium has some references to the Holocaust. Um, I may be incorrect, yet, but, oh but from what I, I remember <laughs> that being an issue um, that some people brought up around release or another blooper pro- project, but I'm pretty sure it was the medium. Um, so with all that in mind, we'll see. I'm definitely curious to see if my opinion on blooper will change as I play more of it, but we'll have to wait and see. Um over on Facebook, Josh Lago, uh, Lago, Joshua Lago said, and he's a patron. Thanks, Josh. Yeah. Appreciate you. Has anyone but Disney been able to pull off this kind of approach? The enthusiasm is cool, but laying everything out this openly feels like the inevitable changes that come during the production process might lead to some fans being upset. That is, unless they're really careful about messaging and say something like, we want to share our release timeline with you, but please be aware that things may change over time. Um, I think that's a pretty level-headed response, and I do kind of wish that that's how they approach this, but to be fair to them, there definitely seems to be some a feeling with the way they approach this, that they think all of this is close enough that they're not worried about it changing. 
Mm-hmm. The only issue there is that the games industry has had multiple times where that's happened. I mean, we saw Bethesda give an 11-11, you know, 22 date for um, Space Game. <laughs> 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 just uh, just for it to be pushed back uh, in spite of that. So, And I bet that they would have done everything in their power to still try and reasonably release that game on the anniversary of Skyrim if they could have. So all that to be said... I do kind of wish I'd approach this a little bit with more like this is our vision, but everything is subject to change. But I guess that's kind of the nature of industry in general, right? I think all games, regardless of how announced they are, are eventually subject to be just shelved, changed outright, or any of the in-between. I mean, I think that's what happened with Final Fantasy 13 Versus. It became Final Fantasy 15, and then 15 became this entirely new version with the same characters, but nothing that was at all what the original idea for 13 verses was, but arguably Noctis was still the main character. So I guess they didn't lie. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that one's a weird one. They uh, but one. what are you, what's your thought on that, Chris? Um, I mean, I don't know. I've been kind of up and down on this. Like, I think it's good to see a bunch of releases. I mean, this is interesting because it's a bunch of different types of games which could be yeah, good. I, I do agree with that. But I think, it's a smart move. And I think there's only one game in here that seems weird. Like, I think Silent Hill F is off, but who knows? The rest of them, I think No Code seems like a competent developer for Townfall. And I have faith that Bloober Team can u- use the structure of what's already there to make a good game. So I'm not too worried about it. I mean, not I think be a that's 10 my out biggest 10, reason. But... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's my biggest reason for being okay with them as Silent Hill 2, because if nothing else, they're working off of a framework work. So if they have less than stellar writers, but they're just using what we already had, then writing doesn't really fall on them. Exactly. Game design doesn't, world design, if they're doing the same maps, but just modernized, level design doesn't really fall on them. It's really just how much care can you give the craft of updating the existing work? A lot of that, I guess, does depend on how much they manage to uh, change if they are changing anything at all. And it Mm. does sound like they're not shying away from changing where they feel it's necessary. So we'll see what that means. Um, But something that strikes me there that I think is interesting is he says, "Has, has anyone but Disney really been able to pull off this kind of approach? And there's the two ways to look at that kind of approach, right? Because you have... Marvel, who do a similar thing. And then I think you had Disney that tried to do that with Star Wars. And I think that while Star Wars was kind of flailing with that approach, at that particular point in time, Marvel was probably soaring as high as it ever had with that same approach. And then once Star Wars started trying to slow down... I feel like Marvel, for me personally, hit a point where I think that they were, they're kind of fumbling with some of their releases lately, or at least my interest in them is definitely waning, um, regardless of how good the actual products themselves are. So, I don't know. You're a big Marvel, or you're a big MCU fan. I mean, I don't know. Do you really consider Disney to be the only person who's pulled off that kind of approach? Or, in your opinion, is there someone else who's kind of done that? Or is it really that Marvel started that approach? I mean, it seems like Marvel and Disney are the first ones who really tried. 
So I think that's more of why they might be the only ones to pull it off. I don't know if that's right, but like, I mean, I guess you can look at some stuff like George R. R. Martin announced his books 11 years too early. So, you know, there's always that. So, but I can't think of a ton of other people who have done stuff like, hey, we're releasing, these are all the games we're working on. I mean, Sony did it recently. I didn't put that in the news, but they did announce, or they did put out that press release with a bunch of games on it. So who knows? We'll see. Yeah, I do think it's something that's changed as a result in part due to Disney. But I do wonder how many people have brushed against that approach uh, that approach and succeeded. I mean, arguably that 2011 to 2013 window of Silent Hill last time was that approach. It just failed. <laughs> right. But that was also that was kind of like mid of the MCU popping off because I mean you had Iron Man in 08 um Iron Man 2 like what what Captain America was what 09 I think so yes and then Thor was 2009 or 10 so I mean at that point the MCU was taking that approach but not nearly to the level they are now <clears throat> And I guess we can give Konami their comeuppance in the fact that they definitely tried that with Silent Hill back then. It just didn't work. Um, it kind of reminds me of the history is written by the victors kind of thing. Like, it doesn't matter <laughs> if anybody else actually tried it. The first time that it was really successful <laughs> was Disney. So they're the originator of the idea well, in the exactly. sense that, as a successful standpoint. Yeah. I completely um, agree. All right, over on Discord, we have one of our longtime patrons and listeners, Mr. Jehudi MD. He says, I played a bunch back in the day, but only really liked Silent Hill 2. So definitely the remake will be something I'll check out eventually. The team behind it doesn't spell confidence, though, thus the eventually part. I agree with Brett, but I can see them trying to generate hype with this load of content and give enthusiasts a roadmap of different projects. The issue I see is that all these projects are not backed up by renowned developers, creators, which makes me skeptical of the quality of the projects. And I kind of, I agree there in the sense that Silent Hill is such an old and storied IP that people really love, but it was always niche in comparison to some of the bigger, uh, you know, bigger horror titles. Um, and as much as I would love to see it be nothing but huge developers, I think the fact that Silent Hill is a quirky game in comparison to something like a more mainstream Resident Evil, I almost think that their choice in developers being people who are more divisive but a little more leaning towards that auteur type of development i mean none of them are trying to be kojima level auteur but i think that (laughs) most of them are not worried about making a game that pleases everyone i think if anything of all the developers listed bloober might be the most safe bet in terms of making a game that is broadly accepted by the player base. I think games like the no code one, which the trailer was very interesting to me. Um, but I think that they're even approaching talking about it in the way that this is meant to be a, a different take on the game that ends up working. Um, hopefully with, with what silent hill people like, um, and that kind of comes into a response that I'll get to here in a little bit. But, uh, what's your thoughts on this, Chris? 
I mean, do you feel like the developers are low tier or do you feel like they fit the series and the expectations that people should have for a series with this history? I think when Bloober Team is the biggest developer working on your franchise, then yeah, the developers are pretty low tier. No offense to any of them, but you know, we're not we're not talking about Naughty Dog here, we're talking about Bloober Team. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is it's a risk. But at the same time, like Naughty Dog did not start off as Naughty Dog. So for all we know, you know, the guys behind uh what's what is their dev team called? The guys behind Silent Hill F. Yeah, uh Neobards. Maybe Neobards can become the next Naughty Dog from this. Who knows? Well, I I think that is the uh the kind of anytime it's a new or fairly new developer, I think that is kind of the treatment you have to give it. I think with teams like Bloober who have multiple games under their belt and have just never had smash success. It doesn't mean it can't happen, but I think there's a little bit more of a reasonable expectation of this is probably not going to be the next blowing up like 10 years from now, Bloober will be a household name. You know what I mean? No, but I mean, in the end, though, not that they that, need to be all, but all it could take for them being that is, and I know this is, sounds, you know, typical, but being bought by Sony, Microsoft, Konami, any of these companies and getting money pumped into them might be just what they need to become that team. So maybe this can get them there. Arguably always possible, right? And I really would like to revisit, not even necessarily on the podcast, but I'd like to revisit this thought in my head after I've completed the medium. Because I think that you see the spark for true potential. Mm Mm-hmm. And those types of developers to where you can see like, man, if they just had somebody who believed in them and that they didn't have to worry about money and had the creative freedom they need while not being constrained by budget, as near, at least nearly as much, and being able to build their team up with people who can fill in their weak spots, that should be obvious from a title already. So if the medium does that for me, then I'll be willing to come back and say, hey, I was wrong on Bloober. Right. So we'll I see. look at... I look at Bluebird and especially playing the medium as, you know, had this been one of those typical in the PS2, PS3 era, hey, we made this game, it's pretty good. Okay, Sony bought us, and now two games later, we're making Uncharted. That's how that's how the medium feels to me right now. Is like they're we're pro- we're proving that we're worth something, kind of thing. You know, kind of how Blue yeah. Point did it with Demon Souls, and they proved their worth. To Sony and got bought. Housemark with Returnal. You know, Insomniac is Insomniac, but even them, they had games coming out that were strictly on PlayStation as building that relationship, but now they're bought. So, yeah, you know, with that thought process in mind, though, the only thing I would say is that when you look at those, I feel like most of these renowned developers, by their second title, they're normally beloved already to some degree, like fairly beloved. And even though they're not the biggest in the industry, they're normally known as a big player. And I, I just for examples on that, <clears throat> I feel like Naughty Dog coming out of the gate with, and I don't know that it was their first title, but it was fairly, their first title I think was a fighting game for the, <laughs> for like 3DO maybe. But their, their first game, title if was I a game in 1985 called Math Jam, and it was released on the Apple II. Nice. And then what was their fighting game that they did for 3DO or maybe Sega Saturn? Mm, that doesn't seem to exist. 
Maybe I'm wrong on what it is. Maybe it was just one of the creators. But Rings I thought of it was Power, a fighting game? Rings no, of Power, yes. It's not a fighting so. game, though, so. Is it not called Rings of Power? Now I'm curious. I have to go look this up real quick. You, you, you're, you're shaking me. So they do have yeah. plenty. Keep the Thief, Rings of Power. And maybe it's not Rings of Power. It's Way of the Warriors, the game I was talking about. It's uh, 3DO. Got it. But yeah. But I would argue that one, two, three, four. Yeah. I think you may have just proved your points <laughs> until yeah. they were Naughty Dog, and even yeah, then, no, you're- Crash Bandicoot. Like I, I know people; these games are adored, but Crash Bandicoot is not Uncharted, you know. And um, even then, Uncharted is not The Last of Us in terms of quality. So, yeah, and it depends on what you mean. But I mean, in all honesty, I, if I had to point, <laughs> this is going to sound crazy. This is very personal opinion kind of thing. And it's also very heavily weighed by nostalgia, which so is Uncharted. Different nostalgia, different era of life. Uh, but Crash, I think I actually may like Crash Bandicoot 1 through 3 better than Uncharted 1 through 3, <laughs> which is a wild statement. And I'm aware of that. But there's a there's a lot of weight weighted nostalgia behind those games. And I think that they held up whenever I replayed them, surprisingly. So. Who knows? I, I was told that if I have nothing nice to say, to not say anything at all. Yeah, well, hey, you're just wrong because Crash Bandicoot's great. and Platformers suck. Yeah, they, they don't, but, you know, only well-made ones. Mario is garbage, <laughs> okay? Hey, Take your fucking Chris Mario's Pratt not garbage, but it's plumbing. not... You're Mario's right. Mario's not He's, my game series. You're 100% right. Mario is not garbage. He's sewer garbage because he's a plumber, okay? He's a big old poop. Big I don't old like smelly turn. So no, Mario sucks. Yeah, I lost anything for me. Kirby, I think it's bad Kirby is better than Mario. Agree. Every day. Still not Kirby great. is better than Mario. No, I mean, like I said, platformers suck. But these ones are <laughs> I'm just kidding. I pissed off like half the audience. Oh yeah. I don't know. I love platformers, but there are plenty of bad ones. It, you have that thing where it's like you have to have a very specific type of platformer that you mm-hmm. like. I like multiples, to be fair, but the only good platformers are Tony Hawk. <laughs> Little Big Planet is so massively different from Super Meat Boy, and I like both of those games. Well, Super as Meat platformers Boy for very different reasons. But Super Meat Boy is good because of how hard it is and how I don't know. I don't want to get into a Portal whole is also a platformer. But. And uh, is it? Portal 2 is one of the best games of all time. Yes, that Portal is absolutely is a f- it, <laughs> Portal 2 yeah, is a great I game. I, I have nothing against Portal 2. Portal 2 is great. <laughs> it's fine. But it's not a platformer. It's a puzzle game. It's a puzzle platformer. <gasps> then you should not have scoffed at when I said Tony Hawk was a, was a platformer. <laughs> Arguably... <laughs> If Portal 2 is a platformer, Tony Hawk is definitely a platformer. When you can get off the board and run around and jump, then fair enough. No! (laughs) Because on the board, you have to jump to different ledges. I have to platform to get the S in skate, okay? Tony Hawk is a platformer. I'm I'm not even really arguing against you. I just think that Portal is far more a platformer than Tony Hawk. I don't agree. Not saying that Tony Hawk isn't one. I think, I think that's that there's an straight argument up wrong. to be made there. You you don't e- you can't even jump. You can't even jump in Portal. What do you what? Yes, you can. I haven't it's played literally this in a long how, time. You no. literally jump to build speed so that you can use the other portals and the speed no, you generate to throw you further. The, you use the portals 
to create momentum, but you're not. You can also with the, do that, but you can also just jump, fall, and then the momentum that you pick up throws you equally distance away from the other portal. Chris, you're just wrong here. That's not platforming. You would have to press First X of to all, jump onto to the jump next ledge. To the thing to jump to the next ledge. You're right. We, you know what? I, I, You're right. We've hey, got you know what? Gran Turismo Seven is a platformer. Fuck you, Brett. <laughs> my Someone favorite plat- like being wrong. My favorite platformer, Call of Duty: Modern Warfare Two, just released. <laughs> I mean, you know, maybe a game like a uh, Titanfall Two, you could argue. What are you talking about? <laughs> There's platforming in Titanfall Two. Uh, there's actually an entire there's actually an entire mission segment where you're jumping between times in Titanfall 2 that is nothing but platforming. Is Dark Souls 3 a platformer? It has platforming elements, but it is not a platformer. So then why is Titanfall a platformer? It has one ep- one, it has of, one, one of, chapter. No, first of all, one of the one of the key elements of that game is the wall running and platforming that comes from that. Yes, it's a platforming. And some of the FPS. dungeons in Dark it Souls is, require dude, it platforming. It's mirrors. It's mirrors run with more guns. Or mirrors. Uh, mirrors edge. edge with more guns. Yeah, Brett, I think I think you're doing this on purpose to make me mad. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit of both. I'm, I'm continuing on purpose, but I do believe what I'm saying as well. I don't believe that you believe that Titanfall Two. If Titanfall Two one platformer of the year at the game awards you would be okay with that i mean i think it's a, a hybrid thing right as we were talking about with the idea of uh of genrefication of games right how you choose to layer them out most games aren't one thing anymore sure right so to that end i would describe titanfall 2 as a first person shooter first with its sub categorization being a platformer At that point, any game with a jump button becomes a platformer under your logic. Do you want to see the description? Set in the same universe as Apex Legends, Titanfall 2 is a first-person shooter where players can wall run or platform their way through and over obstacles. It doesn't make it a platformer. I think uh, think it just said that it was, Chris. But you know what? We've got a little bit more community's take to read. I don't care about the community's take because now we're arguing. (laughs) Maybe the other community's take will give you the answer that you need to fix the broken heart. I highly doubt it, but what does Rude Days (laughs) have to say? Well, Rude Days, one of our longtime patrons and listeners, says, I've become much more interested in horror games now than I was back in the early Silent Hill games, with the Resident Evil remakes being the driving force behind that. So I'm pretty excited to explore Silent Hill. I did watch the Silent Hill movie, which I thought was pretty good and was definitely one of the better video games movies of the time. It does seem odd to me. Great movie. I really enjoy it. Uh, Great movie. Strong. It's a good movie. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, it does seem odd to me for how a decade Konami seemed to not care about Silent Hill, but is now going all in. And it does concern that maybe chasing a trend that Resident Evil remakes are now in with the multiple games and TV entertainment. And maybe they're going too fast and not giving these projects to the right developers and producers. Not sure who exactly Capcom has on these games, but they have been nailing every Resident Evil game since seven. Good news. For the most part, Resident Evil games are developed internally within Capcom. 
bad news for Konami. They do not have internal teams to support these things that way because they decided to close them all. <laughs> Besides, what do they rename PES? E- electronic oh, football? E-football? Yeah. E-football? Football. Of the yeah. E-variety. So yeah, I do think there's something to be said about having a team dedicated that you have internally and that you've built up for this thing. But this next response, I think, really sheds light on one important aspect of this. So uh, Velvet Thunder, uh, one of our other people, he's in the Discord. He says, I don't have a great deal of nostalgia for Silent Hill, so the name itself doesn't hold much weight. However, I am very excited for Townfall because it's being made by No Code. Their last game, Observation, is a big favorite of mine. And I noticed that you use favorite with a U in there, so I'm assuming you're a spot British. Um, <laughs> uh, it's interesting because we never fully know where our listeners are from until something gives it away. And we have a lot of listeners overseas, so I appreciate you listening. Hope that my uh, my British accent didn't scare you away from the show. It's probably not very good, but it's probably better than Dick Van Dyke's accent and Mary Poppins. So if you want to hear us rip Mary on Poppins. that, then you can go watch our episode <laughs> or listen to our episode, rather, Midweek of Midweek Matinee, Bring where we back. talk about these kids being put on severe drugs. 100% drugs of the children. Yes, I, I, I concur. Uh he says, uh, in fact, uh, he says, I'll also check out the remake of Silent Hill 2 because of Bloober Team and not just because of nostalgia. In fact, I don't think I've ever played Silent Hill 2, laugh out loud, as for them releasing all these projects at once. I think it's a bit of a cynical cash grab on Konami's side of things. But luckily, I think the people making the actual projects are passionate and excited to work with the IP. And two things are interesting there. Somebody who actively seems to be saying that they like Blooper Team to a point where the name being attached to a project makes them want to play it. Interesting, because I've not seen a lot of that. Not saying that it doesn't exist. I've just not seen a lot of it. Uh, I've seen people be okay with Blooper and play games that look interesting but Blooper are attached to. Uh, But it is good. I like finding devs that when you see their name attached to something, you're like, I already know I'm playing it. That's a great feeling. I'm glad you have that. Um, So... I think his last sentence I really like, which is if Konami don't have an internal team to do this, which clearly they don't, I I like, and I'm a little worried at the same time because I'm sure there's reasons as to budget of where the developers are out of, what the type of game is, how much it would cost because they are a business. But, you know, they talked about getting hundreds of pitches for Silent Hill every year. And these are the ones they chose to work with. And I think what's interesting is there's been such a hunger for Silent Hill that all of these studios and all of these teams were likely inspired by Silent Hill at some point. And there's just a hunger to want to bring something back. And I think that the upside to it being gone for so long is that there's a much bigger push by probably the own developers, their own internal pressure to make sure that they're coming back and bringing this franchise back with games that are good. Not to say that every developer doesn't go into games hoping they're good, but you know that saying of absence makes the heart grow fonder? I think there's going to be a really big push here to make great Silent Hill games. And I think, hopefully, the audience is also more receptive of these new ideas that are going to be being pushed into Silent Hill 
and are accepting of some of these new people brushing up against the IP. I wonder if there's any chance as we're seeing Konami get a little bit back more back into games, if they would buy Bloober team or any of these developers, if these games do a certain number, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see Bloober team. Maybe. I don't know. That feels like a, that feels like a Microsoft buy personally, but why do you think Microsoft specifically? I mean, just cause they worked with them on the medium and Microsoft tends to buy teams they work with in that capacity, I think. Maybe I'm just projecting, but it felt it always felt like the medium was like a Microsoft game, even though it came to PlayStation. So to me, it yeah. always seemed like maybe they would have purchased them. <clears throat> and they were on the M&A streak before the Activision thing. So I wouldn't have been surprised at that point. Now it seems like... Who knows? Maybe Sony will be like, hey, we want to make a true survival horror game in the Last of Us universe. And you guys did a great job with Silent Hill 2. So here you go. It'd be interesting to see how they choose to approach that because Sony had teams internally to do horror games that they just closed. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Or they shifted them around, like, you know, the uh, creator of Gravity Rush. Mm-hmm. Was originally part of um, Team Siren or whatever the game, uh, the, yeah. whatever the team was called. So it's been funny to watch Sony build up developers for certain types of games, and then as they do less and less of those <clears> types <throat> of games, they eventually shutter them. It's unfortunate, but it would make me curious to see if they'd really try and go after that again. Or like Bloober's so synonymous with horror games, right? Thriller horror games. I it'd be really surprising for Sony to buy them. And then them not make horror games. Not saying that you're suggesting that, but no. It, so I'm thinking they would, would make horror games. Yeah, it would have to be that Sony has an interest in horror games that I don't currently see. But who knows, man? With Dead Space and Callisto coming out, if if both of those games do well, I have a feeling you're going to see a lot more horror because. I think both of those games are coming strictly because of how well Resident Evil's been doing. This sounds oh, crazy yeah. to say this, but I think Resident Evil might be single-handedly responsible for the survival horror genre coming back as strong as it has. I don't think that's that crazy. Yeah. And, man, Konami, or Capcom, rather, have been doing really well with bringing IP that was already successful back and being even more successful with it. Monster Hunter World, crazy successful. Resident Evil 7, crazy successful. Resident Evil 8, really successful. Resident Evil 2, three remakes, Good for uh, good for Capcom. I appreciate yeah. them. Yeah, happy for you, so, Mr. Com. <clears throat> with that said, Chris, do you have any final remarks on any of the community stake responses we got? No, I'm interested to finally finish the medium and see where I land on the dev team as a whole. We'll have to update as we continue through the games. I'm going to try and play more of it this week, but I'm, I'm trying done. to do stuff with the wife and whatnot uh, throughout Halloween celebrations. You know. Trunk or treating and all of the, I feel like Halloween's been fragmented where it used to be like one day that people would do stuff. And now I feel like there's multiple days and no one ever lands on when exactly they're doing Halloween stuff. And it made my weekend quite hectic, but it's <laughs> all over now. I had a good time, <laughs> but uh, I'm gone. Uh, this is Halloween. This is Halloween or at least 
it was. Uh, so moving into the news, uh, <laughs> the news, of course, where we're going to just cover a bunch of things that have happened this week in gaming. Um, going to take this opportunity to remind you guys, if you listen to the show and you like it, if you're on YouTube, drop a comment, like, subscribe, any of those things that will help you keep up to date with the show and potentially draw more people to it, get it in front of more eyes. If you're listening on a podcast service that has the ability to rate us, please do let us know. It lets us know what you like, lets other people know what you like. And it also gives us any ideas for things we might need to work on in the show. Uh, and then lastly, of course, feel free to reach out to us with any comments, criticism, or just if you want to have fun and speak with us through any of our social media that we've talked about earlier. Uh, but with that in mind, let's get going with the news. The first thing up in the news actually came out earlier today. Marvel and their continued takeover of pop culture continues as the once rumored set of Marvel games coming from EA has been confirmed today. In a statement, Marvel did not go as far as announcing the titles or heroes involved in these games, but rumors have pegged one of them as Black Panther, and we already know that while EA Motive is hard at work on Dead Space, they've also got the Iron Man action game in the pipeline behind that. Um we we kind of joked in the cold opening here that this is like good news and mixed news, depending on who you are. Because I think if you ask most people how they feel like EA handled their, thankfully, this is not the same, but their exclusive contract of Star Wars games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is not exclusive. That's a good thing. Um, so... But when you think about EA doing multiple titles in a series that's a, um, I guess, a licensed series or a licensed IP, I feel like most people would agree that it didn't go so well with Star Wars. Mm. And even though I liked Jedi Fallen Order, I still feel like it's not just like a crowned, crowning jewel of, um, Chris, did a poltergeist turn on your TV? I thought Halloween was over, my guy. Uh, as the as the longtime listeners know, this room is haunted. So that room Who is knows? definitely haunted, and I don't even believe in ghosts. But if ghosts do exist, they exist in Chris's basement. <laughs> it's true; they're here, <laughs> and I'm gonna die. Anyway, um, yeah, I just don't feel like EA ever knocked it out of the park with a Star Wars game, despite the fact that they made tons of money. <laughs> Which is that we, we talked about Disney earlier, right? Regardless of how I feel about how the Disney Star Wars movies did or even how Marvel, the MCU, is doing right now, they're making enough money for it to not matter. Like They exactly. still would prefer it to be well-received, but ultimately, as long as it's making enough money, they're just going to keep on trucking on to some degree. Uh, okay. This is maybe a tangent, but do you think they care if it's better received? Or do you think... The quartering making his videos and the person defending She-Hulk, aren't they working together to end up making She-Hulk bigger? Yeah, 100%. So doesn't it objectively help Marvel to just make everything mediocre? Because people will suck Marvel's dick for everything. And then there are people who will hate it for anything. And then there's that middle ground of people who will like it if it's if it's accurate, but will hate it if it's not. And then all of those together make the single biggest marketing push that you could possibly get. I think that there's an argument to be made that occasionally making something 
that you know is not as good as you really could on purpose could be a really odd strategic choice. I'm not saying they did that. I'm not even saying that She-Hulk was bad. I didn't watch it. It didn't look interesting to me. MCU as a whole as, and, as throughout Phase 4 has not interested me. The only movie I've watched is Spider-Man. Great movie. With that in mind, and actually, I'm a, I'll, I'll throw my don't, hot take out. Don't, Fun movie. Don't, don't, don't. Movie don't, rife don't. with plot holes. It's not nearly as good on a rewatch. It's a comic book movie. They all have plot holes. It's fine. Yeah. Did you see that the people are aging in Quantumania, despite the fact that the entire plot point of old boy going into the quantum realm is the reason that he had zero clue and no time passed for him. Dude, he's, these are real people. <laughs> if you think I'm going to sit here and let you convince me that Paul Rudd getting older means there's a no, plot hole in Paul Ant-Man. Rudd. No, no, no. There's Anyone. another character. It's a, it's a girl. It's a, it's a lady who was in the realm and time passes so slowly there. She shouldn't have aged. She should be the same age as she was when she went in because that's what the, she was old when us. she went in. She was like 30 when she went in, bro. I I'm not having this discussion. This is <laughs> this is an insane conversation. Ah, I'm oh, glad the to actors have it too. aged. Get the I'm not about the actors. They dude, they they are digitally aging this person up for a story element when it goes directly against what the story elements they've already previously set in place are. That's what I'm talking about. Not actors aging. I'm not being pedantic. I understand the actors age and you have to do what you can. But also if actors age, they de-age actors all the time. There's an entire Martin Scorsese movie about it. Yeah. And that movie has a scene where a 70 year old man tries to be intimidating and looks like he's going to fall off his walker. So I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Are you telling me you didn't watch the 2000? I don't even remember what year 13 (laughs) hit (laughs) Tron. Legacy. I a thousand they, percent they, didn't watch that movie. Where they made Jeff Bridges look like the worst CG character. No, look. Everything aside, let's let's stop here. Your point of making something when you're as big as they are that's mediocre on purpose because it can draw more things is actually probably a pretty good strategy. Whether or not they use it, I don't know. But they definitely do. Has nobody watched She Hulk at Marvel? Went. Yeah, this is a ten. <laughs> She-Hulk is going to twerk with Meg the Stallion. 10 out of 10. Nobody thought that. I'm going to tell you right now that I know people who watched the show and said that they enjoyed it as a sitcom. Enjoyed it? One of our it, listeners. It, one no, of our no, listeners. No. Don't John get it Davis. twisted, John yeah. Davis. Don't get this twisted. Enjoying the show is perfectly fine. I'm just saying that is not an Emmy-winning Breaking Bad-level show. That's all. I'm, that's all my point is. Oh, I mean, I think that's fair. But then again, I want to be clear that I don't think every single thing Marvel puts out should have to be that quality either. Not saying you are, but for my own thing of saying that the things don't look interesting to me, it's not because I think that they need to be like the tip top of cinema and and long form TV or even short. I I don't even think She-Hulk was, was it 30 minute episodes? No idea. I didn't watch it. Yeah, I didn't watch it either. (laughs) I didn't want to see Meg the Stallion twerking. Well, that's actually not true, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I was say I'll watch her twerk. I mean, I, yeah, <laughs> don't get me confused over that here. That was just a bold faced lie, and I apologize for doing it in person. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely. But you know what, Chris? It's okay. You tried to hide your thirstiness, and I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> it takes it takes a big man. No. I'm a taken man now. I have to pretend. 
So going back to this idea, though, uh, are are you? What was your point of bringing that up? Was it just because we were talking about MCU, or were you going to liken that to something that EA is doing with their occasionally mediocre games? Because it ultimately gives you the same end goal of if you make a mediocre game on purpose, you'll get the diehard fans who are, for some reason, diehard EA fans. You'll get diehard Star Wars fans. You'll get people who automatically hate Star Wars regardless and are going to play it just so they can... What what do they call that when you play something or or watch something just to be angry at it? Yeah, you spite watch, spite play. uh, Just so they can talk crap on it and then do your beloved move of saying, well, I can have a negative opinion on it because I played it. (laughs) Yes. Which is true, even though they know they're going into they're going into it to hate it, but then they can also say, "Well, I hate it, and I knew I was going to hate it, but I still watched it." So the fact that I hate it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think my point is, I think the hate for EA with Star Wars is a little overblown. I get that they didn't put out anything that was incredible, but they put out a bunch of games that people still play to this day. And like you said, which was the most important part for these two companies. Those games made a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, even their most controversial game sold 8 million copies, 7 million. It it went down and projected 1 million to what they thought they were going to sell. Right. And they probably made plenty in uh, microtransaction revenue. Oh, a thousand percent. Those games printed money, whether you like it or not. So, well, that's the crazy thing is like, not even nothing about. A quality remark or anything on Anthem. Anthem not only sold really well for a game that was steeped in as much controversy as it was, it was one of the best-selling games of that year uh, up until... I mean, it, it survived a good chunk of the year. I know it came out in like March, but it was still in that list up until like August um, and pretty high up in that list. And it made a lot of money for microtransactions. So at some point... It doesn't really matter for EA, I bet, that Anthem was considered a flop as long as it, it hopefully doesn't do too much of an of an impact on BioWare's future games. I think that's going to be the biggest concern for them. So, But yeah, we'll see. I'm curious to see what comes from this, but there's a lot of questions I have about where these games are going because it seems like licensed games are going very strongly toward this game-as-a-service-like approach. Um I've seen a lot of people talking about how Gotham Knights feels like it was just on the cusp, if not maybe even a full-on games-as-a-service game, and maybe they delayed it to pull some of those elements back after Marvel's Avengers did so rough. Um, Who knows? That is all speculation. But I've seen some stuff of that game, and it definitely has some games-as-a-service-like tendencies in its design and its UI. (laughs) So I'd be curious to see if any of these games end up that way or if they're going to really stick with that same thing that Jedi Survivor did where it's our Jedi Survivor is doing where it's strictly single player. Um, and that didn't seem to be a bad thing for that game. Sold quite well despite that. Yeah, I'm interested in the in Jedi Survivor and I'm definitely interested in all of these games. I hope that they don't try and shoehorn in like a defenders for you know pve microtransaction game into here but who knows yeah we'll see this is like almost a because i'm just so 
disenfranchised with Marvel right now. I don't really know how to say other than that. This doesn't move the needle for me in either direction. Yeah. The, the fact that it's EA, I don't hate EA like some people do. I just, I'm very indifferent on EA and I'm kind of indifferent on Marvel at the time. So this is just like the most meh announcement you can give me, but I'm excited for people who are excited. Well, that's <laughs> so, nice of you. I know, I'm so generous. Next thing up, Sony appears to be developing a new studio that will be working directly with Visual Arts and Naughty Dog on a new game and a beloved franchise. All of this would indicate that the team is working on a new iteration of Sony's Uncharted franchise. The team is based out of San Diego and is currently hiring for its new project, so it's doubtful that we'll find out what's happening in the near future. Now, stop me if I'm wrong, Chris, but doesn't this sound exactly like what we heard three or four years ago with the exact thing, same thing of working w- w- alongside visual arts, taking on a beloved franchise, secret studio, bringing in big talent out of San Diego. I mean, every bit of this sounds exactly like even the Uncharted, um, you know, guess that that's what's going on. Exactly like those reports three or so years ago. Yeah, but so those what reports changed? were never confirmed by Sony. So this could be the same team that we were hearing about all that time <laughs> ago, but they've actually decided to talk about it. This is wild. And that also means that that team has been either continuing to build or has not even gotten really anything off the ground in those three years, which I think Sony's killed for much less. So yeah. I'm going to say that that's probably not what's going on. Um but this is interesting. It is interesting. I look forward to playing a Sully game. Well, see, for a while, I thought, because a lot of people were talking about how it was going to be dealing with a Naughty Dog franchise and everything, I thought that the team that was making The Last of Us remake was the team that was being talked about three to four years ago. And then that team just ended up breaking up as uh, Michael Mumbauer left and went to Lithos and everything kind of scattered. And then the last of us remake went back to naughty dog. No, it's a um, different team because visual arts themselves was working on this, that this team is working with visual arts and naughty dog. Yeah. From what I understood, that was supposed to be like a team within visual arts, but separating themselves from visual arts. But yeah, who knows? We'll see what ends up coming of it. Interesting that it always ends up being Naughty Dog, though. It goes to show you how much Sony views Naughty Dog's IP and the fact that Naughty Dog can only work on so many at a time. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, guys, listen, I know y'all don't want to do Uncharted, but guys, we got to make Uncharted. Okay. Right. But you know what's weird about that? Like, I don't remember hearing big news about the Uncharted um, collection for PS5 and PC really doing that big. No, it did, apparently didn't do very well on PC, which neither did Sackboy, apparently. But, I mean, I bought the digital upgrade for Legacy of Thieves collection. I just haven't pl- bothered to play it yet. Sackboy is more interesting than it didn't do well on PC because it is at least a new game. Uncharted 4 is a really early PS4 game, and a lot of people have had a time to play it plus it has uncharted one two three which are not available on pc that feel like required reading for that game to a degree whereas spider-man and death stranding and days gone and god of war 2018 don't really have that same baggage yeah but Sackboy is interesting it may just be that platformers don't do as well on pc i don't know Wow, I wonder if there's a potential problem with that genre that could cause games to not sell in that genre. 
No, I'm only joking. Wow, it's almost like most of Nintendo's original IP is based around that genre. (laughs) Yeah, and Mario sucks. (laughs) And continues to pump out crazy numbers with that genre that you talk about having a problem. fuck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) The only good Mario game is Mario and Rabbids. Actually, that game is pretty cool. The game's great. I didn't like beat it or anything, but I thought it looked cool and I bought it and used my wife ended up playing it and beating it and loving it. So excellent game. I'm glad your wife is a woman of taste. Yeah. You know, it's, it's one of the, one of the few very serious games that she's beaten, like with uncommon mechanics. Like she actually took the time to learn these mechanics. I was really, I'm proud of her because she plays a lot of things like, Pokemon Cafe and Candy Crush. Yeah. So she plays games that are more like match three style games and whatnot, which is mm-hmm. cool. And I don't really mind. Um, but she's only played a handful of games that branch into different types of mechanics like that. So every time she actually beats one, I'm surprised. Hell yeah. Good for her, man. Yeah, she beat Super Bomberman R. Very out of the blue for her. That's a super different game for her. <laughs> or Bomberman Ultra, whatever. It's Super Bomberman R. Bomberman Ultra was the dope-ass PS3 one. Um, anyway, that was back anyway. in the great days of game sharing. My buddy bought that game, and five people game shared on that account. And yeah. played that one game. The golden era. PS3 was... Yeah, PS3 was a different different beast. Um, Speaking of the golden right. era, let's talk about London. Yeah, man. Sony's London studio is working on an online co-op combat game set in a fantastical London setting. London studio has been mostly known for their work with Sony's peripherals, including the SingStar microphone and more notably PlayStation VR. I think you have that backwards, buddy. SingStar is like a huge franchise, <laughs> but at least more recently PSVR. It's a microphone, dude. I'm just telling you, man, they made those games. (laughs) (laughs) The game is being... No, I'm not. Uh, The game is being developed with the proprietary Soho engine, and it is not a VR game. But that doesn't mean they won't be using their expertise there to their advantage. Stuart White mentions in his GI.biz interview... That some of the tools being used date back to VR Worlds and Blood and Truth. It appears that one of Sony's 12 live service games has been identified here. So, yeah, this is a big change up for Sony London, which I already felt like the VR games were for them as well. Definitely Blood and Truth being a full on experience. Uh, that was cool. So, hopefully, they get to keep doing that. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're also somehow, some way working to some degree on something for PSVR 2. I would be very surprised if Sony let that go, considering that they were one of the uh, premier games, Blood and Truth, for PSVR 2. It was great. I like Blood and Truth a lot. Uh, Let's see. I don't have much to say about that. I mean, Sony London are an odd studio in that they lived in in these obscure kind of games that didn't get a lot of mainstream. Let me back up. I'm using poor words here. I'm really saying the inverse. They worked on more mainstream games for casual players for so long and stayed in the shadow of core gamer experiences. So London Studio is not really known very much by core gamers and people who are tend to be more involved with... It's so hard to want to talk around that because you don't want to call them serious games because all are games, but it's, they're just different types of games. Yeah, <laughs> I get that. So... 
But uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll see. I'm curious to see what they end up doing. Um, and if they can somehow be pulled up to being like a premier studio for Sony, because that would just be really crazy. They've never Sony have not closed them down despite closing down plenty of studios. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it's true. So either SingStar is still on the is still coming for PS5, and Sony viewed it as too important to close, or Sony sees something in them um, that they feel like is worth it. So we'll see. Next thing up. In a cool turn of events, Striking Distance has announced that the Japanese version of the Callisto Protocol has been canceled because the game was determined to be too violent for the CERO ratings um, in the country. Rather than censor their game, the studio instead opted to cancel it entirely. They did offer refunds to those affected. I think this is a good move because at some point, if you change these elements of your game you're changing too much of your game. It's not worth the change. Um, Going back to Crash Bandicoot, like we were talking about earlier, there's a slight difference there. Where like Crash Bandicoot, they didn't really change the game much. They changed a few odd things. But for the most part in Japan, instead what they did was change the box art to make Crash look more anime inspired (laughs) for the Japanese covers of the game. Really? Um, Where he had like bigger, rounder eyes. Uh, Yeah, you should definitely check it out. But that's... That's marketing. And I think changing your game's marketing to be more appealing to a certain market is a little different than saying, hey, change your entire game. So I would throwing agree. that out there. <laughs> this is cool. Oh, did you uh, you could see it? Yeah, he looks fucking he looks hilarious. Yeah, it's I didn't it's know there were Xbox versions of these games. I thought they were exclusive up until four and the remakes. No, uh, Crash Bandicoot 1, 2, 3 were the only exclusive titles. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. After Neat. that, it was Twin Sanity and so many other games that I can't remember the name of all of them. Wrath of Cort... No, Wrath of Cortex is uh, the name Wrath of the of other Khan. one. There's, there's, a, there's a bunch of them that were not. And then the Crash Team Racing was exclusive, but then they came out with Crash Nitro Kart, which wasn't. So basically... Plenty of games got out. So Crash 1, 2, 3, Crash Bash, and Crash Crash Team Racing were all PS1 exclusives. Cool. Man, I games were made so much quicker back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... You had I always five exclusive at, Crash games on the PS1 in that generation is crazy. Yeah. I always look at GTA 3, Vice City, and San Andreas all being within three years. Yeah, that's crazy as well. Well, that's, yeah, because that's, and way bigger games than Crash. Mm-hmm. Different generation, to be fair. But yeah, Crash was those five games, and the first Crash game came out in 97, if I remember correctly. So you're telling me that in three years between the PS1 and the PS2's uh, release, you you released five Crash games? Great. <laughs> good, good to know. Um yeah, it's crazy seeing how much and how much of a jump those games had because Crash 1 to Crash 3 are very visually different looking games. That's sure. all, That's been Naughty Dog's stick for a long time though, right? Uncharted 3 is markedly better looking <laughs> than Uncharted 1 and The Last of Us even more so than any of those three. So, And The Last of Us 2 is bonkers looking. <laughs> Gorgeous. Yeah, so. All right, let's see. you have anything you want to talk about there? Or, I mean... 
Yay no, for no censorship. I'm, I'm excited that I'm the game's coming. Can't wait to pick up my collector's edition. Glad it's not getting delayed. Condolences to those who wanted the game in Japan. Yes. That sucks. Thankfully, the system is not region locked. Yeah. So just, you can buy the game elsewhere. If you're from Japan, I'll send you the game. Just let me know. <laughs> Hit me up. Too, too bad it's not like illegal to where you can feel like you're starting a, a like a underground game trade for Japan. I'm going to need 100 USD plus shipping, and I got you. Also, really goes to show the differences between things where in we can get the game in America because obscene violence is fine in, in America. But, yo, if there's titties... But we can't get titties or anything uh, besides uh, a very questionable penetration scene. <laughs> now, jokes aside, <laughs> it is kind of interesting to feel like Japan's like, whoa, 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 hey, you can fondle titties on your PSV to touchscreen all day long, but if you're killing people and dismembering them, then nah. <laughs> we, we draw the line there. I mean, that's a that's a pretty important line. You know, I can slit your throat and watch you bleed, but I cannot see your breasts. <laughs> Both of them are interesting opposite wilds to me. Mm-hmm. Like if I can fondle questionably aged women on a, v- on a PSV screen. <laughs> hey, I, I didn't do it, but my point is that's the you argument it. against it, right? The argument mm-hmm. is that their nondescript age is an issue. Arguably so, maybe. But... Yeah, I, I can do that all day long, but good lord, don't let me slit someone's throat and have copious amounts of blood because that's not going to cut it, Mister. No, that would be bad. You're going to need a spanking. Mm. <laughs> I can kill all of the colossi and send my world into ruin as I release a demon. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers. But don't let me. Don't let me see you. Yeah, yeah. True. To be fair, I didn't name the game, so I kind of did. <laughs> Uh, next thing up Rocksteady has lost the two brains who started the studio in 2004 Sefton Hill and Jamie Walker announced on the company's website David Haddad said that the two decided to leave Rocksteady but would be staying on through the end of the year the two have indicated that the game is in excellent hands and they would be moving on to a new adventure in the industry. And the game is in excellent hands, of course, being Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League. Um, this is hard to see whether this spells anything bad because they just talked about that they've built this up and made what they wanted and they just want to start something from scratch for that adventure again. And I think that that, when you have a, t- a company like Rocksteady that's been built up the way that it has and become so beloved, it's probably a little harder to take risk when you have to account for that every risk you take affects a much larger group of people. I think every risk that they took when they were starting with something like Batman Arkham was a wildly different thing. Yeah. So I think they want to return back to that feeling of having complete freedom and no worry about the risk they choose to take affecting an entire very big company that has grown to have a big expectation behind its name. But it also could be that they aren't getting the creative freedom that they want or who knows? There's a million reasons they could be leaving. I guess it just depends on whether you're optimistic or not. Chris, I know you're a big rock steady lover and I think you've often said that you were 
unsure of how you feel about Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League. So what are your thoughts here and, and them leaving and what it may mean <clears throat> for the game, let alone the studio? I thought if they were, I think if they were trying to leave immediately, I'd be more concerned. But the fact that they're kind of seeing development on through the year says to me that it's not a, you know, wow, this game sucks and we were forced to make it. So we're leaving kind of thing. This is still going to be yeah. on their resume. So they, I'm sure they want the game to be as good as possible. So that to me just indicates, hey, we we trust the team that we built and we're going to start a new one. Yeah. Now we're going to make Marvel happens. games. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> this isn't even anything. I'm just tired of seeing the same stuff to some degree. Like, for as often as we're getting new IP in the big game space, I feel like we've also returned to getting the same old IP. And it's a conflicting feeling because I'm excited that Silent Hill's coming back, but I'm also equally like, could we have also just not gotten a new big horror franchise, which I guess we're getting with Callisto Protocol. But that's also a game that's clearly just like, hey, this is what we always wanted Dead Space to be. Down to the fact that we've copied every notable thing about Dead Space because <laughs> we uh, we originated it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, health bar on your spine, but we're just going to move to the back of your neck. <laughs> yeah, I like that. She can change the spot. <clears throat> you think he goes into yeah. those uh, closets and gets, you know... You know, when he looks like and he goes to upgrade his suit and he always looks like he's in an ex- excruciating amount of pain. <laughs> I love those cutscenes, though. They were super cool. <laughs> they are. I just wonder if they're going to have that exact thing in Callisto. I don't know. It depends on how big of a part armor plays. And right now, it seems like they've been kind of showing little armor, which is kind of weird because I looked at the new gameplay and it's odd to me that the game features tank controls like Dead Space but with none of the physical weight on the character that kind of set the expectation. Like Isaac never felt clunky to me because he felt heavy in the way I would expect someone to be wearing a really heavy mining suit, you know, engineer suit. I would to agree. Be. He doesn't feel heavy. So why does the guy like Callisto Protocol move in much the same way when he's wearing a yellow jumpsuit? Like, is there something where it's like the jumpsuit is weighted to make it harder to escape these prisons? <laughs> He's just got a ball and chain on his leg the whole time. That'd actually be kind of funny. It would be hilarious. But now you could work. To, it had to be like a futuristic ball and chain, I guess. It'd actually be more funny if it was just a ball and chain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just, we found this in the ruins of a castle in Britain and brought it up to the moon of Saturn. I mean, at that point... Some things just work. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to change the design all the time. We're not getting I mean, square tires you, anytime soon. That's true. Uh, yeah, I think this is uh, probably not a bad sign. I am curious to see what they do next, though. You know, after bringing licensed games to a forefront where they're considered, you know, beloved things that can be done well when very few titles had really hit that mark up in that point. Are they are they looking to strike lightning in a bottle twice, or are they just looking to make something and they don't really care if it does well? Uh, I mean, probably both. Realistically, yeah. They 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 can roll around in that Arkham money all day long. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like the meme of Woody Harrelson crying into his money. 
Yeah, true. All right, let's see. Uh, next one's really quick. Wolong Fallen Dynasty releases on March 3rd, 2023. Uh, Chris, <clears throat> Hi. was that one of the games you put on your list? It's on my list. I thought so. So look at you. Another confirmed one. Cheers. Well, confirmed for now. As we've seen, any game can be pushed. <laughs> Things can change. I'm less concerned yeah. about a March release date. That's four months. Like, Yeah, that seems close enough that it's unlikely. Spider-Man doesn't have a date at all, so that's my big worry. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, let's see what you think about this next one. Amidst the disappointing news for many that Henry Cavill is out as Geralt in Netflix's Witcher series as of season four, which season three, as I understand it, has not aired yet. So you got time to still enjoy him as Geralt. Um, maybe fans of the game series have something to be excited for as CD Projekt Red announced that the first game in the series that truly gained traction with The Witcher 3 is being remade from scratch using Unreal Engine 5. This announcement reveals that the identity of their project Canis Majoris from a few weeks back when we saw their roadmap uh, is indeed the witcher remake and sees the game being developed at polish studio fool's theory with many witcher veteran staff at that studio part of why they were chosen so that they can be involved the title is an early development so don't expect to see anything from it anytime soon this is still clearly looking to just be hey at cd project red we're being very very transparent with what we're doing um, and I'm curious to see how this works for them. If it'll breed more trust in them after Cyberpunk, if it'll breed more skepticism, if it will breed people still building crazy expectation. I'm very curious as to how the general gaming public, you know, will will receive this type of thing. I feel like you won't really know until the next game comes out. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> they have to release a game that works, and then we'll know. Yeah. I mean... You know, but, their push to Unreal Engine 5 seems like a, they kind of knew that their version of having a bespoke engine was just creating more issues. Yeah. I mean, I will say, I think CD Projekt Red is, I, you know, I'm excited for the next game because Cyberpunk didn't work and it was still one of my favorite games of that year. So I, I'm excited, even if it might not be good. Yeah, it, it's hard to kind of bring that feeling together because when people ask me, I'm like, I love cyberpunk through the shit that I experienced in it. And I experienced shit with it, but it was just a fun, good game that I was... Re and, you know, it does help that I was excited for it. Excitement can help push through things that aren't necessarily what you would have wished them to be, but... Yeah, we'll see. Um, what are your thoughts on this being a, a remake? Do you think this is going to be aiming to be a more faithful remake? Because, you know, this is originally made on... If I, if I remember right, it was originally made on the engine for Dragon Age Origins. I mean, it plays that way. Yeah. I, I really feel like I remember that being some odd thing. So it was called the Aurora engine. Let's see. Aurora engine games. Oh, man. There's actually quite a bit. Neverwinter Nights is built on that. I should have realized that. The Witcher, The Witcher Enhanced, Tron Evolution. So it oh. looks like maybe it was not. Maybe I mixed up Neverwinter Nights with uh, Dragon Age. That would make sense. Hmm. 
Mm, that's very peculiar, though. Okay, yeah. Um, I'm curious if they're going to try and do it as a more linear game like that game was, or if they're going to try and make it more open world like The Witcher 3 was and bring elements like that in. I guess the real question is, is there enough sor- is there enough material for them to work with? To That's what I was going to say. I feel like if they were going to do that, they should have done a remake of one and two in the same package. That could be interesting, but I don't know. I'll, I'll throw it out there. I've not played one, partially because it's just complicated to get and play. Um, I could play it on PC, but eh. <laughs> I have played part of The Witcher 2. I got probably about a third of the way through that, maybe a little bit more. Uh, also a very different game. It was more like a linear hub world, God of War, hack and slash style game. I would agree. Um, so and I enjoyed it. And then The Witcher 3 went full on uh, open world. So I don't know the time gap between 1 and 2 and if there's a reason why trying to bring that together as one game would feel weird. Or if there would be a concerted effort to keep them the same. It feels like the only are. thing that would really be weird about it is that right now the games are... They have two different um, play styles. So that's what I could see being a little weird. Well... So, do you, have you played the first one? It sounds like you have. I have, yeah. Do you, did, in your opinion, does it play like the second no. game? No, it doesn't. So, Witcher one, two, and three all play wildly different from each other. Uh, yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. That's what I thought. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think whenever you have a series with as much love like this, you run like people fell in love with The Witcher three. And I think people's expectations of The Witcher 3, even for people that haven't played it at all, who are like, oh, I can finally get into The Witcher. Does what they've heard and seen about The Witcher 3 bring expectation to this? Uh, It's a curiosity. Um, Definitely with The Witcher becoming bigger and bigger due to the Netflix um, series being rather popular. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting because it's, like I said, it's definitely, it's a very different game. So I'm fascinated to see if people pick that up and just go, oh, no. (laughs) What's your take on Henry Cavill leaving and them just bringing in someone else to be Geralt in the same series? I mean, I don't care that they're recasting. I just think it's... I think Henry Cavill clearly just wanted nothing to do with the show anymore because they're not honoring the source material. Like that seems to be, it seems pretty clear that he got the DC bag and was like, yeah, I'm good on this. <laughs> Give it to a nice up and comma. So I've not seen, but partially because I didn't, I watched The Witcher season one and I thought it was pretty good. Um, but I didn't watch past that. And I've not seen him talk about that, but I saw you mention that he's been open with his criticism about the writing. I didn't remember seeing any of that for season one, so I'm assuming maybe that's come as part of season two and three, or maybe I just missed it in regard to season one. But can you kind of shed some light on that? No, I just know that they were talking about how they have a... Like his quote from a... I don't have it pulled up, so it'll be paraphrased, but he was saying that he is committed to the plan of the seven years of the show as long as mm-hmm. they stick towards the the source material. And he's saying how he would have to campaign to get Geralt more like the source material. And it's, you know, they sold that show as like, oh, Henry Cavill knows The Witcher, and then they don't make a, you know, 
they don't like they don't even like the books which that report came out recently that nobody on the staff who's writing that that show likes the books or the game you know so yeah i saw seems that clear which is weird you know like why do you work with an ip if you have no reverence for it right and i, I must don't say that, that there will always be someone who ends up working on something that came into it without having reverence for it. But you would hope that as they're working on it, they either gain reverence for it or at least it's not the overwhelming majority. Because it's a, it's a good idea to have someone who doesn't really like it. It just introduces different ideas of how you can spin your version a little bit. And I think I've landed on being true to a character but having a little bit of of a creative control with it and doing something new with the character is necessary to keep characters mm-hmm. going and comic books have been doing it forever, but there's still a truth about characters that you have to stay close to. And if you go too far, then you're running the risk of just being a character by name only. Right. Well, that's what, and it seems that's like something his I have a huge issue is. with. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. That one's, I feel like it happens a lot where we're, we're going to make this person or this character do this. And it's like, yeah, but that's just not that character. People will talk to like, I, I feel pretty confident in my uh, opinion. Not that I, I think the games are good, but the new Tomb Raider games, that is not Laura Croft. I almost no. would have preferred them to be like, this is Laura's sift- sister. This is still set in the <laughs> Tomb Raider universe, but this is a different Croft sister. And this is her. This is how she becomes into this thing and, and starts living up to the family legacy. And these are the, the challenges she goes through and how she differs from her sister who's confident and you know strong. And instead, we get a more vulnerable person because she's living in the shadow of her sister or her father. I don't feel like any of... Who she is, besides her name being Laura Croft, really feels like a Tomb Raider game to me. And that's okay in terms of how she's characterized, but not when she's given the name of a character who has a very clear outline of who their character is. Right. Well, that's the problem with reimagining characters on other people's work. You know, I don't understand it. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people, and and I, I saw the trailer, so this is all I have to go off of. But the the Scooby Doo uh, adult animated series they're oh. doing for HBO, where Velma is being played by um, uh, the actress for Kelly Kapoor in the office, Mindy Kaling, yeah. And I care less that they've made uh, Velma's character. Um, I, I guess I think Mindy Kaling's is she Indian? Is that right? Yeah. I believe so. Okay, so they've made, as far as I understand, they've made Velma match to Mindy Kaling so that her ethnicity matches to the character voicing her. That's less of an issue, but I feel like whenever I was watching that, they were talking about not having Scooby-Doo in there. I'm like, okay, weird choice. I don't really see how that works when that's how it works, but okay. Well, I'll, I'll watch the trailer. And the thing I actually got was that Mindy Kaling was like voicing Velma. Velma's too cool. <laughs> it's like, she had this thing going to where yeah. she wasn't geeky, really. She didn't feel geeky at all. She felt too pop culture reference And I was like, this doesn't feel like Velma. If anything, this maybe feels like Daphne wearing Velma's clothes if, that's, mm-hmm. if you want to try and be close to what's there. So I'm not saying no to the series yet, but watching that trailer didn't really do a lot of anything for me because I'm like, well, that doesn't even feel like Scooby-Doo's characters. You can play with them while still having them be who they are. But that just felt like you've given them a similar wardrobe and you gave them their name and you're like, that's enough. And sometimes that's not enough. 
<laughs> so, <laughs> right. Uh, my my question there really came from the fact that I feel like if you're already not honoring the the source material, why not just write it? it definitely, if you're still working on season three. Why not just write it, or even for the beginning of season four, just tell Henry Cavill, be here for one episode where we can record you passing the mantle of The Witcher to a... There's multiple witchers in that universe. We already know that. So why don't we just pass the buck of the the primary protagonist to another witcher and follow the world through his eyes instead of trying to cast a new person as Geralt and wanting me to believe that this new person who is clearly not Henry Cavill is the same Witcher and the same Geralt that I saw at the end of the last season. I hate when shows do that because recasting is so distracting. If you're forced to because someone dies, I think there's more of like an acceptable thing there. But otherwise, if you can plan around it, just plan around it. (laughs) Yeah, but it... You're straying even farther from the source material. This is the better decision. <laughs> I don't know. At this point, just cancel it and be like, we're rebooting the series. <laughs> they should cancel it if he's not going to continue. But it's making them too much money. And they're not going to tell... You can't tell the series story with fucking Gary the Witcher from fucking Clearmont. You know what I mean? Like, you can't do I that. agree. I agree with you, but I, I did preface that with having not known what's in season two or what they're planning for season three. If they're already straying very far from the source material, why not just continue that? <laughs> At some point, you're just... If you're straying and you're going to just do this, then just a whole hammock. Don't half-ass it and go, well, now I've got to change actors for this thing. I just think it's a weird choice. I, I think it's also weird that Henry Cavill like went out of his way to get this show going and like push for it and get gamers rallied behind it. Not that gamers are the only Witcher fans, but they definitely helped the show's immediate success. Um, and then to just completely disregard him, if that's the reason he's leaving. I mean, it could also just be that he's tired of doing it. Even though he loves character, there's a million reasons. Like you said, the most real, the most real one is probably Superman's a big role with the DCEU shifting to having a new leader. He's probably going to be more involved, and he's going to get paid a whole lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. We'll see. I don't, you you want to go be the Witcher? Yeah, I would love to be the Witcher. Yeah. All right. Cool. I'll call up the Oy. writers and say, listen, Igni guys. Holmes. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, what are you doing, pendejo? We've got to kill the griffin. <laughs> Why does that seem like West Side Story, where it's like you're, you're bringing like classic literature forward into modern times? <laughs> You're uh you're Leonardo da Vinci's <laughs> Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> Dude. You mean Leonardo DiCaprio's? <laughs> oh, I said Da Vinci. <laughs> you said Da Vinci. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, that'd be even you know better. Who, uh, you know who is considered the da Vinci a skeleton. of our time by some people? <laughs> Brett? Who? Hideo Kojima. Mm, I thought you were gonna say mm. Zack Snyder. <laughs> I'm, uh, no, I'm not even. I'm not that crazy. <laughs> I like Zack Snyder's movies. I just think that's a funny, way, funny thing to say. 
Michael Bay is our generation's Leonardo da Vinci. Have you seen the balls on those artistic standpoint? (laughs) Have you seen the wrecking ball balls? The wrecking balls. (laughs) All right. What's next, Brett? Oh, speaking of Kojima, actress Shiori Kutsuna will be joining Elle Fanning in whatever Kojima is cooking up next. The actress was revealed as the silhouette in his Where Am I teaser. The next teaser has a new monster design and says, how come? The, mm-hmm. I actually think this is a pretty smart and interesting marketing campaign. Mm-hmm. Not that it's I just agree. going way out of its... It, it's not the most complicated thing in the world, but it is compelling. Because now I need to know, how come? And where am I? And who am I? And what the fuck is this for? <laughs> if this ends up being Silent Hill, and this is why Konami couldn't talk about the secret third developer it is going to be really interesting that they've chose to do this it's funny because i'm just saying who am i where am i and you know and how, how come? come all yes kind of solid tenants of the silent hill franchise so 100 percent. what i don't see what's worse though how they relate to death stranding so <laughs> look the the other part of this and also new IP in case that is what's going on. Um, who knows how many teams he has working. He has at least two teams working is what we know. Because um, we know about Death Stranding 2 and we know about his game with Microsoft. That's about it. Um, but you know, I think the same thing, right? Who am I, where am I, and how come all sound like they work for Silent Hill. But that's they also do. just that thing where they're just vague enough that if you're looking for an answer you've already landed on, you can connect almost anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's true. It's true. Yeah, it's a phenomena, but mm, we'll see what it ends up being. I am curious to see what Kojima does next. Um, Can't wait for the Game Awards. Speaking of Death Stranding, my uh, my Halloween outfit, just for anybody who is curious, was uh, Lou strapped to my chest via my infamous two coal backpack that I've had forever. <laughs> Um, and then of course I have the, uh, the, the briefcase that it came in and I put the tape that it came with around the briefcase and I love that I just have a whole roll of this void of tampered tape. It's cool. So yeah, that was my, uh, th- these are the remnants of my costume. That's very cool. So you went as Sam? I went as Sam Porter Bridges. Yeah. Hell yeah the very last minute, I'm going to tell you the story of how this happened. Chipotle sent me a, a thing in my app that said if I dress in a costume and go there, I get a $6 burrito. And I don't know if you've been to Chipotle recently, but Chipotle is expensive as fuck now. Like two, three years ago, I was getting like $10 burritos. Last few times I've been going in there, my meal comes out to like $18. And I still love Chipotle, but there's no way in hell I was missing out an opportunity for a $6 burrito. So I got home from work and I had about an hour to throw something together. And I was trying to think of what I had. And I thought, I have Lou. I have mm-hmm. the briefcase that Lou came in. I have the tape to make that happen. I have a hoodie that looks pretty close to the Sam Porter Bridges thing. And I had a hat. So I was like, I can work this out. And it worked. It was, it was a good time. That's what I like to hear. Yeah. Next year, Chris. You can come here for Halloween, and we can oh, do yeah. 
we can do a buddy buddy costume where we figure out <laughs> mm-hmm. two things that we can do. Mm-hmm. We should go as cat yeah, dog. like maybe me, maybe me as the winner of our draft and you as the loser of our draft. I think those would be really good costumes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I like the confidence that your far far inferior list is going to beat mine. Hey, you know what? It's not confidence you, when you know it's true, baby. You're going to have Face to make count. up for that 98 <laughs> coming off Zelda uh, Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah, that's okay. You got at least 170 in there. I don't know that I do. <laughs> we'll see. Actually, All right, uh, final thing Wolf up Among in the Us news. is a little scary for me. <laughs> Wolf Among Us is scary. I'm excited <laughs> for that game. But if history shows us anything... <laughs> That's a scary one. Uh, Final thing up on the news, weeks after renaming the studio to Onoma, Embracer Group has closed the door on the grave of one of its other Montreal-based studios that came in the purchase of Square Enix's stable of Western developers. It appears that about 200 people have ended up being affected, but Embracer has indicated that they will do everything they can to match affected employees with jobs on other teams working on other projects. With this news, Jason Schreier has also reported that Eidos Montreal as opposed to Square Enix Montreal that was renamed, uh, is changing its plans a bit. They canceled a project and are now focusing on a recently re-scoped new IP, sounding like they had to uh, take one of their ideas and scale it back. I really doubt that's a scale forward. Uh, A new Deus Ex title that is extremely early, and they've also been farmed out to help Microsoft. Hmm, look at that. And Playground Games develop Fable. Um, you know, Chris, earlier you were talking about how Bloober seems like they would have been a Microsoft purchase if Activision Blizzard hasn't hadn't happened and taken so long. Mm-hmm. At this point, with how much uh, Microsoft is digging into Square Enix and I guess now the the grave of Square Enix, <laughs> um, I almost wonder if they would have went for this and not Embracer Group if it wouldn't have been for Active Blizzard because the f- it's it seems almost impossible that Microsoft has got these relationships and it wasn't due to them having some interest in purchasing them that just had to be put on hold and wasn't able to go through. I Mm. was reading some speculation that once Activision Blizzard goes through, Embracer is going to sell these teams back to Microsoft for a premium. (laughs) And that makes a ton of sense. I mean, it does... But that also comes down to how confident Microsoft feels like they'll be in uh, acquiring more after Activision Blizzard goes through. I don't think there will be scrutiny on single teams. Hey, the hey, hey. Is- I'm not saying there will be. I'm I'm strictly speculating that, that that's based on how confident Microsoft themselves feel after this. That's it. Yeah. I didn't mean for that to come off so aggressive. I just mean that I don't think it'll matter for like oh, we bought Bloober Team. No one's going to care. But when you go, we bought Bethesda, and then a month later, hey, we also bought Activision Blizzard, that's when people are like, that's a little sus. <laughs> like, if they mm, bought them yeah. maybe a couple years apart, I don't think there'd be as much scrutiny. But there's kind of like... I agree with that. The, the, the rate the of their expansion from is Bethesda, definitely... And then they bought the biggest publisher in the in the world. And it's like, okay, that's a little weird. <laughs> you guys... Something's something's weird about that. You know what I mean? So, yeah, no, I understand. Um, 
Yeah, we'll see. I mean, the fact that Microsoft is is leaning, and I want to say for anybody who doesn't know, I mean, we clearly talked the other day about how PlayStation had tons of support studios helping with God of War Ragnarok. That is right. the state of modern development. It's not surprising. Modern games take a long time. When studios are down and in between projects, they tend to help. And then, of course, any other things they can do that they can contract out to help speed up development, they will. Uh, or to help with budget. Because if we're being honest, sometimes things are just contracted out because it's cheaper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's, yeah, I, there's a budget to be caught. I don't I don't think what's going on with this would be even a story if it wasn't Crystal Dynamics and Eidos Montreal. Because if Sony... If Sony needed, you know, if Sony needed RE team's help to finish God of War, that might be weird. You know what I mean? But Valkyrie and, I don't know, Toasted Bread team are not the same in the same league as Crystal Dynamics and Eidos yeah, Montreal. So I see why people would look at this and be like, ooh, Microsoft had to hire someone else's dev team to make a game for their dev team that looks bad but i don't think a support studio looks as bad personally well yeah because you bill yourself as a support studio and all your work does that versus That's a team that is yeah. prior never been uh, known for or marketer or built as a support studio is playing as a support studio right. and it's, now two of them <clears throat> are these are premier developers with their own teams that make their own games it's, it is interesting to see them suddenly f- in this odd role of, I don't even know, I hesitate to say support studio because they make it sound like, specifically with um, uh, Crystal Dynamics, they make it sound like Crystal is like a half and half partner with the initiative. And that is not a support team so much as... <laughs> it seems yeah. like they're the team. <laughs> And then the initiative, or at least the members of the initiative that they have, are working. But that's a, as and it's this doesn't really say much. This sounds like to help playground, and that honestly makes sense because think about playground coming off of racing titles to fable. They're going to need people who have experience in games that have RPG like mechanics, and I think Idos Montreal fits that bill. I would agree. Close enough, and they clearly have a relationship with Crystal, so why wouldn't they have a relationship with, or the, at least in a, an easy st- throw of a stone to Eidos to be like, hey, could we also have your help with another team and another <laughs> game? Yes, yeah, it's interesting. But it is weird. I, it, it's weird that we don't bat an eye in the reverse, though. You know, we, we often see Microsoft and PlayStation have external dev teams that help finish games. Like, it was, I guess, kind of big news, but like nobody really thought it was weird that like, Japan Studio was a co-developer on FromSoft. We know FromSoft can make a game on their own. They do it all the time. But no one was like, oh, it's weird that FromSoft is having to get help from Sony. But it's more like the game wasn't going to happen without Sony, and Sony probably was just like, as part of the deal to sweeten the pot, you can will assist with development through Sony Japan Studio, who have a very deep understanding of how our system works to hopefully help development. Yeah. So, and I mean, I think helping an established team and. I mean, this is not the case with this, but like, especially with the initiative being like, oh, this is our quadruple A studio and we need someone else to build the whole game, please. 
I think that's worse than, hey, we're from Soft. We're also making this little, you know, we're percolating on this little project where, you know, code name Elden Ring. And, uh, but we'd like some help from you guys on Bloodborne. Like, that's completely different, in my opinion. But, like, your first game from this huge studio that you created and whether you meant to or not, you build it as a quadruple A studio when you were hiring. Now you have to go and get Crystal Dynamics to actually do the development. That's why it looks bad. Yeah. Marketing blunder. <laughs> right. Yeah. And again, I know that there are people in our audience who are like, well, they didn't say it. They didn't say it publicly, but they said it and it got out that they were building it as a quadruple A studio and they were trying to, to hire. So bringing in the guys who made Tomb Raider to make your new game just looks bad. <laughs> you know, if, if nothing else, it looks... It it doesn't look a position of strength. It makes you look incompetent. That's really... <laughs> yeah, it does. I mean, like it, just does. it makes it look like you don't trust the people that you've hired to do it on their own, or you don't think they're ready to do it on their own. And either way, it just... Yeah, it, it's the problem of... It was a marketing blunder, even if it was an, an accidental one. Exactly. Because it's going to get out. You know, I feel bad for uh, any kind of creation stuff right now. Because, like, you know, this is a very different thing. But we live in a world where information and stuff gets out so quickly. And even if you don't intend it to. Like, you know, Taylor Swift's talking about how she has all of her dancers dance to a click track so that no one hears the song <laughs> before it's released so that it can't get leaked. But that's where we live. You have to have such a tight grip on something. And when you're talking about a video game that has hundreds, if not thousands of hands involved, the chances that the general public is going to get to see some way that you chose to build something the, the person who thought it was a good idea to have on their hiring thing, whether it was a typo or what, even if it was just a typo and they put a fourth A, you have to suffer the consequences of the fact that that had a chance of getting out. <laughs> and it's and unfortunate that you didn't correct the record either. So true. Like, had they, it's one thing to not do that and correct the record, but they didn't. Yeah. So. Yeah, it is what it is. I mean, we'll definitely see what ends up coming of this. Um, you know, recently, this is kind of just something to close on because I do think, and I don't know, you're really trying to harp on the guy, but, you know, there was a recent interview where Phil Spencer was talking about that he agrees with the with the Xbox players that it's been too long since there's been an Xbox release or, an, or a high-profile, big, first-party Xbox release, arguably the last one being... Halo Infinite, um, and that they don't have anything coming out this year that's going to rival something like um, God of War Ragnarok or anything like that. All that to say, he he did his thing of like, yeah, you know, I understand where you guys are coming from, and I agree. And then he answered with the answer that he seemingly always has to give, which is that, I know we haven't gotten there, but you just wait until next year. Next year is when you're going to see. We're going to really do big stuff at Xbox next year. And I've seen people being like, "Is it's just the same thing every year since 2017. That 2017 was a slow year for Xbox, but you know what, guys? You just wait. 2018, we're bringing the big guns. And then 2018 comes, they're like, guys, we know it's been a slow year. <laughs> But we just acquired a bunch of studios and you just wait. 2019's looking big. And then it just keeps going. Um, whether it's on purpose or 
just that one of the things I thought was interesting is in the interview, he mentioned that he could give the excuse that COVID slowed them down or any other number of things. But he's like, the reality is, is we haven't delivered and we're looking to fix that with finally getting some releases from Bethesda's acquisition that are first party uh, in Redfall and um, Starfield. So, and of course, Forza is, is next year. So he brought up all those types of games. Um, it was just interesting because do you agree with the people who are <clears throat> on Twitter kind of talking about that it, it just kind of does feel like an empty placation that any business would feel pressure to give to people because you don't want your player base to constantly be being like, hey, man, we love your system, but you keep talking about delivering these games that you've yet to deliver. Do you agree well, with that or not? Of course I agree because <laughs> Microsoft is a dude who keeps telling his girlfriend that he's going to make her come next time. <laughs> Don't worry, babe. That one was for me, but next time I'll make sure you're treated. <laughs> right. You know, I still, it's okay. like, oh, I'm a, I'm a little sensitive right now, but, you know, in a year or two, I'll build it up and I'll be just as good as your ex, Sony. Like, that's, that's how it feels every time he talks. It's like, listen, listen, babe, my jaw hurts tonight. I'll eat you out next time. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's I all appreciate, I appreciate, even if it's lip service, that he's willing to, say like we've dropped the ball and not hit the mark that we should have because he could easily just say and i think he would know that he would be kind of talking out of his ass if he was like xbox has been releasing big hit after big hit after big hit because it's just not true they've been releasing <laughs> first party titles yeah and they've been fun good titles i've from so far grounded looks awesome i've still not gotten a chance to play it been too addicted to conan but grounded looks fun i've heard only good things about it so far halo had its moment where it was fun. But in the in the grand scheme of things, for people who are expecting big a system exclusives, Xbox is not delivered very consistently. And even when they do release, they have a slightly worse track record of having games that end up reviewing, not that reviews are the gospel, but that's a big thing that the industry looks at. So if we look at the industry and how a lot of people feel, a lot of their titles don't review as well either. So when you do release one, you tend to miss the mark. You tend to miss the mark in comparison to what people were hoping for when your competition is consistently hitting a higher mark and being beloved for it. You know, Sony, of course, has enjoyed many years of getting to say, we are the home of the big console exclusive that you can't get anywhere else even if now that statement is you can't get anywhere else for at least a year. <laughs> yeah. I, <clears throat> it's like I said, like I used to be an Xbox guy and I remember when the PS4 gener when the PS4 generation started, I bought an Xbox one and I'll tell you straight up on this show that I bought the Xbox one to be a contrarian, but there wasn't anything to play on it. <laughs> So, so I bought a PS. I traded in for a PS4, and look at me now, host of a small-time podcast about PlayStation. Like that's just <laughs> the reality. And it's Microsoft has failed to have games for as long as I've known them, 
and there, there's stuff the like gears and halo but like mm-hmm. recore is the last new ip i can think of i guess i'll give them sea of thieves you know there's stuff there's grounded see if these great like all the, yeah all these things are fine but they're not system sellers and then when you're literally not even using them to sell your system they're on pc and they're on phones and they're on i don't know a ti-84 like it's not it doesn't sell your your console and it doesn't make me confident in you when your best stuff is, is that well but it Where does sell your, your service so to give them their credit as, as much as I agree with you, realistically, to give them their credit, they claim to be selling a service, and the console is just a part of that. They're selling an ecosystem that they want you wrapped in, and they're trying to tell you they want that ecosystem as, in as many places as you can play as possible. Now, while I agree that I still think you that there's some <clears throat> upsides to every person's... like if, if Sony's marketing plan didn't work so well, Nintendo... And Sony both wouldn't be using it the way that they do. They rely on big system exclusives that draw people to them. Um, and and realistically, Forza and even Gears now, it's been how many years since Gears uh, 5? Uh, which is not saying anything about Gears 5. I think Gears 5 was 2019. Um, and if it was... Then we're three years without that. So we're Forza Horizon because it's been since 2018, I think, or 2017 for for Forza Motorsport, which is finally coming back. So when you look at that way, they don't have as many big hits that you look at and aim at. Instead, they're, this is going to sound weird, but Death by a Thousand Cuts. Instead, mm-hmm. it's just a lot of smaller games that are pretty good. I don't yeah. mean that in, a, in the sense of actual death, but they're choosing to hit you with a bunch of solid, smaller titles and hope that that um, resonates with people. And for some people, it does. And for other people, it doesn't. For, I think there's, no matter who you are, there will eventually always be that feeling of like, I just want what my box, whatever it is, the one I have and play and, and have access to, I want it to truly deliver something big that feels like... You're never going to see something like this anywhere else. And arguably, whether you agree with the games, Sony's people feel like they get that treatment more often than I think Microsoft's people's do. Because even with people who I know who love Microsoft, they tend to say, like, you know, that is the one thing that's missing. For as much as they love Game Pass and crossplay and all these, you know, smart delivery, the one thing that they do wish they had was a, a slightly more steady stream of big, high profile releases. Yeah. Some I don't know. Um well with that in mind, Chris, uh right. what are you thinking for the community's take? Do you want to do something really crazy? Like <laughs> do, do you want to ask people if Portal's a platformer? <laughs> or do you want to look at something else? No, I mean I guess it depends because we've kind of strayed away from having a main topic of the show. Yeah, sure. And I've That's been, what I'm saying. We can kind of just have it be whatever we well, want. Because I've been thinking of it would be kind of fun for each of us to come up with five headlines we'd want to see in 2023. And oh, maybe yeah. that could be the, the community's take. Yeah. What okay. are five things you want to see happen in the industry in 2023? And then me and Brad will Gaming come up industry. with five of our own. And there it goes. Do okay. we want to do cool specifically gaming industry? Do you want to be like, listen, we're a gaming show. We want gaming ones. But if you really want to see something crazy happen elsewhere, that's fine. 
You want to see like Godzilla lands. If you think a, if you think a new player in the cornstalk exchange is coming up, you let us know. Right. <laughs> That'd be weird. You know. <laughs> but hey, whatever you're into, man, you know. Give us five headlines you want to see from next year, pref- preferably from the <laughs> gaming industry. Philip CDI set to make a big return. <laughs> that would be a great one. <laughs> Probably not that unlikely. Did that Atari uh, console really, no. ever come out? No, they're still working on it, apparently. Oh, man. Well, uh, Sega Dreamcast Mini. <laughs> that's already coming. Up. Actually, that's that, that that's probably coming. Yeah, all right. Yeah, that's a good one. So five headlines you want to see, most likely in the gaming industry. But if you want to throw a, a few wild hairs in there, feel free to do so. Right. Uh, but all right, guys, I think uh, with that, we're going to wrap this episode up. So this has been episode 282. Toito. And uh, yeah, man, Chris, Toito. thanks for joining me as always. And you know what, Chris? Hi. First thing we've got to throw out there is that we've got a new patron. Oh, do we have a new patron? Yeah. Did you hear the story? I did not hear the story. Of, of Mr. B-Raj on, on <laughs> Discord? Oh, yeah, I saw it. I love it, yes. Yeah. So we have a new patron who decided in a moment of uncertainty of the future of his life, at least the future of his life, uh, throw up free, vomit free, right? You got to stay vomit free. Yeah. (laughs) So in in a flash of wondering if he could survive vomit free for the rest of a flight, uh, Mr. Barry Rogers decided in that moment, hearing us in his ear, as one should when they're taking a plane, you know, you should listen to us mm-hmm. that he, Take if he landed off. without throwing up. <laughs> <laughs> sure. No Russian. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Uh, Don't listen to us. <laughs> stop it, Chris. You can't have you, you decompress the whole airplane. That's why the taser was invented. I don't know if y'all know Good this. Point. But the taser was invented so that people like Sky Wardens basically for planes could disarm potential threats without having to worry about a stray bullet or anything piercing the the, the hole of the plane and decompressing. Uh, so if you didn't know that, now you do. Bum, bum, yeah. Uh, also, do you know that taser? I'm trying to remember what it stands for. It, it's named after something uh, the a ended up getting added into it to make it easier to say i really wish i could remember what it is uh taser acronym because i know it it surprised me whenever i saw it what is the word taser and acronym That's the for thomas take. thomas swift's electric rifle which is a reference to i think some literary thing and they put the a in there just to make it thomas a swift so that it'd be easier to say as taser um anyway yeah, there you are. That's your nugget of knowledge for the day. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mr. Barry Rogers, thank you for becoming a patron. You have a sticker heading your way since you came in at the Narwhal tier. We appreciate that, big sir. But also, to round the show out, we want to thank all of our patrons who went to patreon.com slash nartech and gave as little as $1 a month to help support the show. We always shout them out at the end of the episode as a thank you. We will continue to do that for as long as the list remains <laughs> reasonable to do that uh so without further ado well, hold on, hold on, Brad, I, have a, Rogers. I have a joke oh. i have a joke can i tell a joke oh. at the end of the show you can tell a joke Chris. Can I? yes okay yes. uh what's the difference between a chickpea and a garbanzo bean 
uh, I can watch a chickpea, but I can't watch a garbanzo bean. No, I wouldn't let a garbanzo on my face. <laughs> okay. <laughs> See you next week, everybody. Bye. I thought my answer was still okay. Shout out to Stingray X. It's a sin to win, a.k.a. Sean, Aztec King, Leechion69, The Lord Corgi, Salvador Garcia, Hammond Egger, Bailey Robertson, Cypher Primus, Kyle Grimm, Rude Days 93, Kevin Bacon Bits, Danny Villiobos, Jehudi MD, No Fate, Josh Ayers, Derek Porter, Donovan Williams, Constantly Kenny, Matthew Green, Sean Santarude, Stephen Salazar, and Shadowist. If you would like to join them, head over to patreon.com slash nartech. Give as little as a dollar per month, and we thank you all for your patronage. See you next week. Dun, 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 dun.